Welcome to another episode of Good Old Sports, uh, powered by RNA Media. I'm your host, Riley Pate, co-host and best friend, Adrian Herndon. A little under the weather, but you know what? Every day's a Super Bowl on this show. Yep. Uh, not, I mean, not much per se by what we have for you guys on the high school side, other than, you know, wins and losses. Uh, but as you said, it's another great day for sports. Um this weekend was a pretty awesome, you know, weekend as far as high school sports went. Um, had some heartbreakers, had uh, some some big wins, as you all as you all know. The uh, Carthage Bulldogs faced off against the Gilmer Buckeyes, and if you're a Gilmer Buckeye fan, you know I don't have much to say other than you know I understand that you know it's your hometown, and you want to you want to support your home team. But, you know, you have to look at the realistic side of it. You know, Carthage is just the better team. It's not to take away from anything that Gilmer does offensively or defensively. I think they're very great on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, you know, they didn't have their quarterback um, and uh, Braden Tennyson. And so they had to go with their backup and one of their, well, their starting receiver, top starting receiver in Rowan Flewellen. And just to say... You know, that kid's as, as as athletic as it comes. I mean, any Fluellen on Gilmer team, you better get ready for a show. But, you know, Carthage just, you know, ultimately came out on top, 28-7. Uh, to 7. Not much I have to say about that game other than Carthage is just the powerhouse that they are. Um, and that's, I mean, that's all I can say. Uh, Carthage can pretty much beat almost anybody in Texas. Any Texas team, 5A, Maybe even six A. Yeah, they they're they're definitely on a different level. And you know, it was interesting before the game because Coach uh, Surratt said in an interview, "This is by far, hands down, uh, the best Carthage team that he's ever had." That's interesting. It is because I mean, we know we've known uh, some great Carthage teams in the past. Even the team that beat Gilmer. Uh, two years ago, seventy to fourteen in the state championship game. And now, he says this one's better. Yeah, I would have said that was the best team, but you know, a coach knows his team. He knows his players. So if he says that's the best team, that this is the best team that he's had ever, I guess, uh, then so be it. I, well, and really, you look at the overall composition. He's probably, I mean, he's right uh, because this team has a defense that's not giving up any yardage. It's got an offense that. You know, the quarterback has more experience, got a lot of dudes, yeah. a lot of weapons. I, I mean, I understand it. Yeah. Carthage has, and we were just sitting there talking about, they have, you know, the quarterback's about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he's a sophomore, junior. I want to say he's a junior. I, I believe he's a junior. Junior. I thought he was a sophomore. But either way, the kid's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he stands in the pocket with poise and patience. And when, when you see a quarterback like that and he's not in a rush or a hurry or he's not frantic with the ball and he knows how to hit his target and he's very confident, you see a quarterback like that, you usually you, know, you usually don't see a lot of high school quarterbacks like that. But uh, this kid has something great and he's very gifted and talented. And then, you know, they have a 6'4", 6'5", receiver out there. And then also a, a pretty awesome, I mean, athletic uh, slot receiver at number five, and we were talking about this as well. Those guys are baseball players. I mean, number five. When I seen that he was committed to uh, 
A&M for baseball. I'm like, are you serious? As good yeah. as a receiver as he is, should be on the team. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, should be on the football team. But um, that just shows you the athleticism that Carthage continually pumps out year after year. You know, they, they're not just one-dimensional <clears throat> athletes. They, they're basketball players. They're baseball players. Yeah. Football. Heck, maybe even soccer if they have it. But... I mean, this is what you have to look forward to in, in uh, Division uh, 2 for a football. Yeah, for this year and For this year, yes. Yeah. You know, and, and people talk about this. That, uh, listen, and I, I was we were talking about it before the show. Carthage would win no matter what alignment. You know, they would win. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just the reality of it. A lot of it is, yes, the talent, but a lot of it is coaching. Uh, Coach Red is one of those guys he... He puts his kids uh, in a position to maximize the talent that he has. There's a lot of coaches that have talent uh, come through the the ranks, you know, down through the years, who never have the sustained success that he has been able to obtain simply because uh, they don't know how to execute. They don't know how to get the best out of their players. He's not that way. He's one of those... He's going to take quarterbacks, he's going to develop them, he's going to mold them into who he needs them to be to run that multiple set offense that he likes to run. Right. Uh, And and to be able to make the decisions that he wants them to make and in turn be the best quarterback, running back, uh, receiver, whatever, that he needs them to be and that they can possibly be. (laughs) And so I, I give a lot of credit to Coach Stratt and his staff uh, looks like he's going to win state running away, and hey, hands hats off to him. You know, yeah. hands down the best uh, team in this area, best program, and I mean just just fun to watch. It really is. It, it is a fun machine to watch when yeah. trying to. Uh, and you know, same hats off to them. Uh, you know, they got Pleasant Grove. I think they'll win that game. And then they went to semifinals, whoever they're plays in, and then state championship. I say they are the 4A Division II uh, state championships for this year. Uh, but on Gilmer's side, man, you know, uh, look forward to another year of having to do the same thing over again. I mean, Gilmer obviously runs uh, their district, you know. And one of the things that, you know, to look forward with Gilmer to for Gilmer is, you know, they have a lot of – they're a young team. Uh, they have a few players that are leaving. They have some that are returning. And so I look forward to Gilmer's defense still being dominant, uh, very powerful. Uh, but I do say for their quarterback, you know, he was hurt. Uh, got hurt in the first round. Uh, he was out second round. Had Rowan uh, come in. He was out uh, this third round as well. But I look forward for him is to get more experienced in, at yeah. his position. I said before that. He's not as he's faster than his brother. Uh, he has a he has a better arm than his brother, but he's not as athletic uh, and and open field as as his brother is. As far as making people miss, what I look for also for him is kind of building an offense around him where he doesn't have to run. Because I believe that if Gilmer has the receivers, which they will, then he'll be able to be the quarterback that that could possibly stand in the pocket and just throw. I don't see him being too much of a running quarterback. I don't. I don't see that for him in his high in 
his football career. He, he's certainly one of the better pocket quarterbacks to ever come through Gilmer. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be able to stand in there, pick you apart, <clears throat> throw the deep ball when needed. Uh, but I, I do look as, as he gets more experience for him to be able to put a little bit of touch on the football. Yeah. Well, uh, we saw that against Pittsburgh where, you know, he's overthrowing guys, uh, throwing it to where they need to be, not where they're at, that, that kind of thing. And so I, I'm intrigued by the potential that Gilmer has moving forward. Yeah. Uh, now, again, you still have Carthage, and I, I want to get to that in just a minute. You still have Carthage in that region. Uh, but I, I do think that Gilmer certainly has talent uh, to build off of moving forward. Now, the game we covered was Newton and Dangerfield. Everybody kind of predicted a track meet. It wasn't that at all. It was a great no. defensive battle. What I will say, uh, some of the hiccups that we've seen from Dangerfield caught up. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the inability to execute on some plays. I mean, there's two or three times... There's nobody within five to ten yards of receivers, and they're being overthrown. You know, right. and, and it's just things like that kill you in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, as far as all this talk about Newton's on a different planet, Newton this, Newton that, Newton didn't show me anything special. They're a very beatable football team. Uh, they, they've got kids who play hard. They've got a couple of kids who are tough to catch out in space. But they are definitely a beatable football team. By far. It's like I told you, it's like they're very deceiving to that. You know, they have big kids. They have a little bit of speed. Uh, I mean, a lot of size. But uh, once they touch the field and, and get to going, it's not anything special, per se, as far as how they throw the ball or run the ball. But I will say that they are dominant. And one of the ways that they beat Dangerfield is that they consistently continue to run the ball. It was it was it was a point in one scoring drive where they just they would run the ball, hand it off, run it, uh get down or player be tackled, next thing you know, turn around, they're getting set to snap the ball again, run the same yeah, play. And they, they did that consistently until they got down into inside the ten. I mean I mean they just beat Dangerfield's front lineup just constantly with that same play. But other than that, I will say like you said, it was not the track meet Dangerfield outran their guys by 10 yards. And the only reason why uh, the score wasn't higher for Dangerfield as it should have been is because, like you also said, is that they were being overthrown by five yards or it either was too high or too low. And it was one instance I uh, remember during the game where Dangerfield was down, I think, inside the 20. Uh, They were in the red zone. Mm -hmm. And... And this is the play now. I I would say you should be running the ball when you get into the red zone to kind of yeah. give yourself some leeway. But they came out. They tried to run with a quarterback, uh, a wildcat, um, but he got caught in, in the backfield. Other than that, they kept running. They kept throwing and throwing. And uh, eventually, he threw it. I don't know if he didn't see the guy or the receiver didn't stop where he wanted him to. But he he underthrew him and threw it straight to the defender to turn it over and give the ball back to uh, Newton. So I do say there were times in that game where they should have ran the ball uh, more uh, other than throwing it. I think that the coaching staff uh, got a little bit too pretty with it because they seen that their guys could outrun uh, their corners and said, well, we can do this and we should be able to air it out. Well, your quarterback's been off all night. (coughs) You know, he, he wasn't 
his, his accuracy was off. And on top of that, your two top receivers, your two main receivers, were injured. You know, they were playing through injuries. You know, Aaron Hampton came back out coming yeah. off an ankle injury in, uh, in uh, round one. Uh, he didn't play round two, but he came back this in, in round three against Newton. Uh, he did well the first half, but then by the fourth quarter, he was starting. That limp came back. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the more you play on that ankle, it, the yeah, worse it, it'll get. Right. But back to your point on the running game, Dangerfield had a great running attack. I mean, they, they were they had some kids who, when they got out in space, you weren't catching them. Uh, they had the ability to block up front, and for whatever reason, uh, they made the decision to get away from that. Yeah. I don't understand it. Is that how I would call the game? No. Uh, you know, but those are the decisions that they made in crunch time in certain situations and, in my opinion, ultimately cost them the ball game. Yeah. Uh, you know, because Newton was having trouble picking up certain things that they were doing and, and certainly were being outrun in space. Yeah, by far. And, uh, and another thing <laughs> outside of coaching, you know, I, I have to say to any player out there, is when you're, in, especially in the playoffs, when it's a heated moment and you're going up against the team, and you know, you guys have been talking smack all week, back and forth, you know, you've been hearing this and that. You have to know how to keep your cool and know where to place that frustration. You know, we've seen two personal fouls against Dangerfield that were costly. Yeah, costly. Uh, two 15-yard penalties that just drove Newton down the field. And you have to know how to control your, your anger your frustration, nowhere to place it rather than because it, it happened right in front of us. You know, one of the players pulled the guy's helmet, snatched it right off his head, you know, yeah. and you, you can't. And that was on, I believe, a third down play going into was, fourth down. Yeah. And so you have to know when to say, OK, you know what? This, this Just throw your hands up, walk back, either walk back to the huddle or say, hey, coach, I need to come off for a while. But you got to know how to, you know, place that frustration or else it'll cost your team. And that's what happened with Dangerfield. You know, we haven't seen that happen much with Dangerfield. And that uh, we've seen it happen a few times because they, as, as I've said before, they've been mentally strong in, 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 in moments like that. But Friday night, it just kind of got the best of them. And yeah. uh, it cost them some, yard, some major penalty yards. Well, and it goes back to this for Dangerfield. This was a talented team that fell short of their potential. Yes. Uh, You know, and I can't, I've thought about that all weekend. This was a talented team uh, that, that fell short of their potential. We can nitpick this and that all day long, but at the end of the day, they won, they lost. Yeah. Uh, do I think that they have some some things to address, you know, in the off season? Absolutely. Do I think <clears throat> that there are some hard questions that need to be asked? Yes, I do. Uh, but we'll see. You know, you're fresh off of it. This is the first Monday back. We'll see how they respond. You know, what yeah. what's the path moving forward for them? That's going to be the big question, and <clears throat> along with other teams as well, but. It, you're, you're totally right. They're a team that has so much potential and just fell short. You know? Yeah. They, it, as heartbreaking as it is, you know, and to be there and to see it first firsthand, it's heartbreaking as it is, you know, it, there's a winner and there's a loser. And somebody 
moves on, and somebody goes on, goes well, home. It's like I told you. The, the bottom line is that that only one team will end the season happy. Yeah, that, and that's that's the harsh truth. Nobody's ever, you know, you may be able to look back at, at some point and say, you know, well, we made it this far, maybe yeah. to the regional or the semifinals. But but in that moment, you don't care. No, you know, in that you just, moment, you're you're still stinging from the loss, right? Uh, and like I said, I, I'm kind of interested to see how they respond moving forward. Yeah. Uh, in other news, Longview rolls. Looks like they're going to roll straight to a, a state <laughs> championship. Uh, yep. You know, very good football team. Very yeah, athletic. Got some size. Uh, have the grit, as Coach John King always does over there in Longview. I mean, just a, a very, very good football team. Yeah. Uh, another one is Lindell uh, versus Kilgore. Kilgore, Kilgore for show, as you would say. <laughs> Rose Lindell, man. Yeah. 63 to, what, 30 or something? Yeah. I mean, I did not and they expect... they get their rematch with Chapel Hill. Yeah. Uh, this Friday at Tyler Rose Stadium. So, if you're in the area, I, go check that game out. Kilgore lost 32 to 20 uh, back in district. But I think this is a much improved Kilgore team. Yeah. Uh, I, I was not expecting that score against Lindell. I did not expect it to be that kind of blowout. But uh, Kilgore has a very good team to have in the in the past recent years. Uh, definitely in, in pr- improved uh, in athleticism. Uh, they've always had mm-hmm. speed, but as far as getting their offensive offense going, um, they've always had a good core of receivers. Yeah, and a good running back. Uh, I think their running back is up for uh, an award, some kind of Texas award or something. Mm. But. I very just, good football yeah, team. I don't have anything bad to say about Kilgore. It's a very good team. Uh, this I hope this they is going to come down to defense because yeah. that's been Chapel well, Hill's down. Yeah, when you remember at the beginning of the season when we went to watch when Pittsburgh scrimmaged them, even though it was a scrimmage, you know their head coach uh, told Pittsburgh's head coach, you know, the best thing we they had that they had going for them is their de- is their offense. Yeah, they have a very good offense, very a lot of speed, but their defense struggles. Uh, especially against the run, um, and if, if if Kilgore can run the ball as well as they they look to be running the balls, they can. If they can do that, then it's going to be a long game for Chapel Hill. But as far as being able to mark, match them speed wise, and if Chapel Hill can throw the ball, um, then that's a that's a, a huge plus for them. But I, I do believe it's going to be a good game. Uh, as like I told you uh, before the show. It's like a home game, you know. Yeah. Kilgore's not that far from Tyler Chapel Hill. It's almost like right down the road, really. And they're going to be right there in Tyler. So it's going to be like a home matchup. I think you're a good crowd. Yeah, you get a good atmosphere going. So if you're in the area, man, check that game out. It's going to be great. Now, now I wanted to to talk about this because, you know, you had some third-round games that, for me, were basically state championship ball games. Or at least regional deciders already. UIL needs to look at their alignment. And and here's why I say that. It is not good for high school sports when all of your best teams have already played. <laughs> because, I mean, now it's kind of like, why go? Yeah. Know, what, what, now, you've got a few matchups left that I think are intriguing. But by and large, your most intriguing matchups have already happened. Right. That's not good for high school football. Uh, that's not a good product. It doesn't bode well for your ratings in the state championship ball games. Uh, 
I think that they need to take a long, hard look and say why. Why is Gilmer and Carthage playing in the third round? Yeah, that's that's the offset. Uh, you know, why is Newton and Dangerfield playing in the third round? Why are, why is this happening? And I would like to know the justification for why you would do that. Yeah, just well, it's just like you said. <laughs> it, it seems a lot more exciting when you know Gilmer's still in it and Carthage's still in yeah. it on the other side. You know, and everybody knows. Well, these two are these two teams are going to meet up at state. Yeah. Everybody's going to be there, and, and so it makes it better. And and we followed Gilmer through uh, throughout the their playoffs for the last two uh, two years. Yeah, and we've seen that excitement. Oh, like oh man, Carthage. Even last year when Carthage got beat out by China Hill, I mean China Springs, it was still exciting because okay, Gilmer's back at state championship. Yeah, you know, doing what Gilmer does, and you know. It, it's like you said. It, it takes away from the excitement when, oh man, they're playing the third round. You know. It, yeah. After that, it's like, okay, now who do we have to watch? Now Carthage is still in it, of course, but we're. Uh, I don't know any other competition. I and, mean, and that that's where you have to be careful of trap games, right? Because you've already beat the the grill in the room. Yeah. So now you've got to, as a coach, and and Coach Rat knows this. Uh, Newton's coach, uh, Coach Johnston, no doubt knows this. You've beat the grill in the room. Now you've got to keep t- your team focused. Right. You know, they've got to remember, hey, that's a big win, but ult- ultimately we want to ring. Uh, and in order to do that, we got to win three more weeks. You know, yeah. we got three more games on the schedule. We've got to win them all. Uh, and, and so I think, to me, that's what makes it tough on a coach. When that happens, you've already beat them. You know, all that build-up, all the coverage, all the talk. Right. And now it's like, what are we doing, you know? It's like, what <laughs> what now? But, you know, I, I agree with you. And, you no, know, Dangerfield-Newton, man, that was a really, like you said, should have been a state game. But, you know, like you said, it's bad for ratings, and it, it, it's bad as far as, uh, I guess, ticket sales go. Because in East Texas, I mean, you have your top teams. You have, you have Carthage, you have Dangerfield. You have Longview. Uh, as of right now, you have Kilgore, uh, and those are sort of your in your top four teams. Um, and then you have Texas High. Texas High got bounced first round, but you have those teams that everybody wants to see. Everybody wants to know: Okay, are they going to do the same thing that they've been doing for years on on years? Like I said, Carthage is still in it. Carthage is one of those teams that. Everybody know if Carthage is in the house, you know they have something to bring to the table. They're not going to disappoint. Uh, if Gilmer's still in it, Gilmer's the same way. Gilmer's going to do what Gilmer's going to do uh, out in open space. You know, tough defense. They're going to do that. But you know, when those teams are out of it, it's okay. Like for East Texas, it's more like looking towards you know. Okay, now who do we have? Now who's on the chart next? Now who can we watch at the state? Because everybody wants to go to the state games, but if nobody that you know is at the state game that's familiar, then you know you're most likely not going to go to those games unless you just want to go just to see AT and T Stadium. Um, but it, it makes it better when you have Gilmer and Carthage still in it and still on the road to the to a state championship, uh, Longview, um, or Texas High. You know those kind of teams, and or at Dangerfield, you know, and Dangerfield hasn't been a state in ten years, ten years, 
They haven't won in two in twelve, but they haven't been in ten, ten years. And so I felt that this year was a definite year for them to be able to, to be able to uh, make it back to state and um, win it. You know, <clears throat> as as much talent as they had. Um, but you know, it's, like, it's just like you said. It's bad, bad for for college football when you mean high school. Well, well, college. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but yeah, it's bad for high school football. You know when <clears throat> some top teams don't even make it out the third round. Well, like I said, I I just don't understand the thought process. You know, I would like one day to to be able to talk to somebody that says, "Hey, this is what we're thinking. This is why." But yeah. as far as, because you know UIL makes money off the ticket sales, they make it off the the TV stuff, you know, and all the ratings and all that. I, I just don't know why you would put yourself in that position. But, you know, we're, we're not in that room, but I think it's something that needs to be looked at, discussed, and, and maybe changes come in the future. Yeah, uh, There are some, some coaching changes going on. Uh, Chris Hiskey has decided to retire at White Oak. Been the head coach there since 2014. Uh, he's coached there for over... Uh, 17 seasons now and uh, started as the defensive coordinator and moved into the head coaching position back in 2014. Good football coach. Going to be missed over in White Oak. Didn't have a great year this past year. Not a lot of talent. Tough district. It is what it is. Uh, But one of those guys that you hate to see him not prowling the sidelines uh, because he's just been in it for so long. But he, he did state his desire to want to spend more time with his family. He's got a daughter who's graduating this year. He wants to be able to go and spend time you know, outside of that with his daughter as she moves forward. And so he makes that decision. So that, that should be... I, I, I look for probably another coordinator to get that football job, mm-hmm. uh, get get a little bit of head coaching experience under their belt, see what they can do to turn that program around. Now, here's the other one. Chris Edwards uh, at Hugh Springs was fired this past week by the school board. That's not a shocker, to be no, honest. No, it really is. I, I That one, I, I did not see that coming. He's taken them to the playoffs all but two years as head football coach. But that just proves... So it's what you say. Everything's fine when you're winning. As soon as you start losing, yeah. and and especially losing as bad as they've been losing these past two seasons. Yeah. It's like last everything. year he was able to sink into the playoffs. This yeah. year he doesn't. But it, it's not... Actually, I take that back. He got bounced in the first round. By Newton. This year. Yeah. Take that back. He did bad season. Not, yeah, not a great season, but there's no talent. Yeah. And, but So here's why he got fired, though. Is everybody is upset because of his offense? He loves that slot T, ground and pound. We're gonna run it right at you, and then we're going to play good defense. That's been his philosophy for ever, and many years it worked out. I mean, there there was some great showdowns between him and Paul Pitt for years. You know, watching those two go at it, uh, same type of mentality. So here here's where I want to talk about offensive philosophies. I am sick and tired of people calling a running offense archaic. That's how you run football games. And, and everybody, oh, you can't run the wing tee. You can't run the slot tee. You can't. 
go tell these to winning programs. Liberty Hill runs the slot T. Franklin, slot T. Uh, and they're two perennial powerhouses in their respective divisions. Uh, Gunner runs a, uh, a version of the Flexbone out of the pistol, triple option. I mean, these offenses can work. But the bottom line is, just like any other offense, you've got to be able to execute. You've got to be able to, to, to block. You've got to be able to run the football. you got to have that kind of a mentality. Right. But I don't understand where all of a sudden everybody in the community, not just in Hugh Springs, but in other places, oh, we gotta we, we got to throw the ball. we got to get back to Why? Do you have a quarterback? Do you have receivers? Well, I, I say it's because everybody's been pampered and spoiled by how flashy it looks, not realizing the reality of it is that you need receivers that can run routes, that can catch, and you need a quarterback that can throw. And you need an offensive line that can block. And developing quarterbacks is tough. Yes, but it's like I said, everybody's been spoiled. Everybody <laughs> sees what's, what, what, what's happening uh, down the road at such and such school and yeah. how they're able to run it so well. Or on TV, how uh, this team looks, how it looks for them. and uh, Or on social media when you're seeing all these videos. But the, the reality is that those players train year in and year out, offseason through the summer, on their craft. And you just can't take an offense and say and throw a spread offense on them and say, okay, this is going to work. In reality, if you don't have a quarterback and you don't have any receivers, the best thing for you to do is run the ball. It, it, it works. There's nothing wrong with it. But I think everybody wants to be able to see f- flashiness. Everybody wants something that's fancy, that looks pretty, you know. And, and I get it. Running the ball makes the game go a little bit slower then, you know. But who cares? A win is a win is a win. It doesn't matter and, how and, you did. And, and the fans don't see it that way. <clears throat> Which we, is man, ridiculous. You, but you but you heard it, man. Friday Friday after Friday, we hear and especially at uh Paul Pewitt games and and and, and uh Pittsburgh games, you you hear them in the crowd, we need to throw the ball. Well, where's your quarterback? Where's your receivers? Yeah, who do you have? <laughs> and, and if if and I'll say this about Hugh Springs. I, I don't know the whole dynamic there, but but I do realize that that was one of the main reasons from what I was told that he was let go. If they think that they're going to get some guy who's going to come in and run the spread and they're going to win, they are sadly, sadly mistaken. Not going to happen. Sorry. Move on. That takes a lot of, <clears throat> of, of talent. And, and there's only one team that was able to get away with this year, and that was Winsboro. Yeah. Uh, but that's because they had a quarterback in yes. Finney. Uh, and they had receivers come back. And so... Their downfall was just that defense. Yes. And, but it, that they're the only ones this year that has been able to get away with it. Even Newton, who who, who ran a little bit of spread, isn't that good. Now no, they have they, a good quarterback. They went back to a two-back, double-back, double-dive, scat-back set, and got after it. Ran yeah. it right at you. You know, and, and that's... So I don't I don't understand where people get all off on this idea that well if you run the ball you're not going to win the playoffs. Well, go tell that to state championship caliber football teams who year in and year we, out run the football. We seen it last year at state the team that ran out of the slot T wasn't it? Yes, one. Yeah, one of state. 
So it's it not, happens all the time. Yes, it's it, it's not uncommon. It's not something ever unheard of. Like it's ancient. <laughs> no, there's teams out there that still run it. The, the and issue, run it very well. Yeah, and run it well. But the issue is, is everybody wants to be like everybody else. Everybody in this area wants to be like the Gilmer. Everybody, Gilmer. Everybody wants to be like Dangerfield. Well, yeah. You can't do that. Those players have ran that same system for years <clears> on <throat> end. Or some semblance of it, you know? Well, even Carthage uh, may come out in a base set of, of spread. But at any point, we'll get in the power eye. We'll get in the wing tee. We'll get in the flex bone. We'll get in the slot. I mean, they'll do whatever they want. Yeah. Run the, the split back, old split back uh, figure. Yeah. But it's, mean, a de- you know. it's a deception amongst the towns, uh, amongst the people, that, to think that it will work for everybody. Yeah. Just like it will work for them like it works for the other teams and, and it's not it's not true I but, mean but it goes back to what we've talked about off and on throughout this entire season it's time for these towns to get a realistic view of who they really are as a football team uh, and that's happening in several places where I think everybody's got these ideals of what it should be or, or what it could be when in, the reality is they don't have those caliber of athletes. Yeah. And I think that the conversation needs to become more about how do we maximize what we have as opposed to let's be like somebody else. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to work. If you're trying to replicate what somebody, a prime example, for years everybody said, oh, well, you got to go get one of those Carthage assistants and make them a head coach, right? So their quarterback's coach two years ago, Quits, goes to Dangerfield. Besides, he wants to be an offensive coordinator. Goes to Dangerfield. Stays there a year. Uh, can't win. Leaves. Gets beat out in the playoffs by Wascom. He leaves there. He goes to Atlanta. Same deal. I'm going to be the offensive coordinator. Can't win a ball game. Leaves. Goes back to Carthage. Why? Because everybody thinks that, that it's cookie cutter. That you just move from one school to the next and you just take this same... I did. I'll tell you a story that I got told years ago. Coach Alan Metzel, that's now the head coach at Gilmer, mm-hmm. uh, was the quarterback's coach there. This is in the early, mid-2000s, right? About 2003, somewhere right in there. So he leaves. No, this was the 2005 season. I'm sorry. <clears throat> they win state. He leaves there. He goes to Pine Tree to be the offensive coordinator. He tells the head coach at the time, I'm not going to keep releasing names because, you know, it is what it is. But he goes to the head coach and he says, it's not the players, it's the plays. I'm going to take this Gilmer uh, playbook. We're going to apply it here. We're going to win all sorts of ball games. They didn't win a single district game. It's not as easy as taking what somebody else does very well and just applying it in your school. And that's what people think can happen. It's just this plug and play. That's that's unrealistic. Not gonna happen. Well, and, and you know, I still say this. I've we, you know seen the downfall of it as well. Is now we talked about this a couple of days ago. Matter of fact, Friday, and I've said this to you on and off. Is Abram in Pittsburgh? Yeah. You know he takes. He comes from Sulphur Spring. He's defensive coordinator. He comes from Spring as uh, from Sulphur Spring to uh, that runs the spread. That run, comes from the yeah runs the spread, and then he goes to Pewitt that runs slot uh, the slot T that's been Coach. running it for forty years. Yeah, Coach buddy. Camaro. Yeah, 
And so, and then he he falls in love with that offense. You know, he they win. I think his first season. I think they make the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I remember right. Yeah, and then the second year there, he takes them to state. That's great. That next year, he leaves. He goes to uh, Mahia. Mahia and leads does him to does the yeah leads him to the playoffs. Does good. Leaves there. Now he's in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> he it and it, it started season started out slowly. Then they started winning towards the end of district. Makes the first uh, makes the playoffs. Wins a, a shutout in the first round. Goes second round. Plays a great game, but they get beat out by one point. And this year goes. And then this year yeah. it's horrible. It's as if they've never ran that offense before. But my thing is, it's not just that, but it's my thing is you have coaches. It's just like that situation with Metzl. It's it's not just the playbook, but it's the mentality. Yeah. And Pewitt, those guys, those boys, <laughs> that they've seen that offense run their whole childhood. They grew up watching it. They, they knew. come out of the womb knowing the trap, the buck sweep, all that. Like <laughs> exactly. They just know. Like. Exactly. And, and Pittsburgh has never... And you try to bring that to Pittsburgh is, and it's like Pittsburgh has never seen anything like that, other than the early or mid two thousands when uh, Cleveland was there, um, and that's as close as it gets to this generation yeah. when he ran out of the power eye. Mm-hmm. But after that, Manley came in and Manley ran out of a sort of a a uh, shotgun spread, uh, and then did that for years, and then. He left. Dickie Meeks comes in. Same, same, same thing. And and then after Dickie Meeks leaves, uh, Baca comes <laughs> in, runs out of the spread and uh, in different formations of the spread. And so all Pittsburgh knows is passing the ball. Yeah, that's all they know. So when you bring a new offense and say, "Now we're gonna we're we're gonna dial it down by ninety to eighty percent. We're gonna instead of passing eighty to ninety percent, we're gonna run." 80 to 90 percent and maybe past 10 to 20 percent and when you do that those kids mentality isn't set in there have they haven't bought in to it fully to say we're just going to run the ball every down yeah they're not used to it and it's not to say they won't ever buy into it but it does worry me that they won't ever buy into it because that's not what they're used to and that's not the kind of athletes that you have Pewitt had a set of athletes, and just like any other, like Gilmer had a set of athletes that Pontry didn't have, and Pewitt has a set of, <coughs> had a set of athletes that Pittsburgh didn't have or doesn't have, and so you have to restructure a whole mindset, not just a playbook, and <coughs> that's that's where that's what we see now is these coaches that are coming in and, and saying, okay, it's going to work here because it worked there, no, but. That that's unrealistic. No, it's not. And, and, and while you're you're on the subject of Pittsburgh, we've talked about this privately. I'm gonna go ahead and put it on the show. Okay. Please tell me that there's no way. And I like Coach Abram. Greatly respect him. Great guy. Uh, I think he's a very good defensive minded football coach. There's no way he survives a, another one and nine or two and eight season, right? I I, 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 I told you I don't see possible. yeah I, like how do you justify that well it's I, you can't because I said this before he came in at the right time because that was the team that needed <clears throat> yes that was the team that you could run that type of offense with they had the speed they had the defensive players 
And they had the offensive line. Now, you had the majority besides one offensive lineman come back this year. Which shocked me because... But it, they acted like they, they never, never blocked a down of slot T football. Yeah. I, I, it just it amazes me. But what I see with him... Again, greatly respect this guy. I think he's one of the best uh, leaders as far as setting an example for what you want a kid to be when he grows up into a man. Yeah. I, I think he does great with uh, injecting his thought processes into the community. I, I think he does great with all of that. I think as far as putting together a defense, I think he does a very good job. I mean, hey, for that first half, they took it to Gilmer yeah. you know, there for a while. I think all of that side of him is great. But I question his his abilities as a standalone head football coach. Here's why. He gets all that credit for the, the state championship run or the state game run at Pewitt. Mm-hmm. Running Cumro's offense. Yeah. He goes to Mejia. Hey, you know, who knows how it would have shaken out there if him and the superintendent don't get into it and all that. You know, that, that's neither here nor there. But he's not, in my opinion, done enough as a head football coach to justify giving me, giving him a leash long enough to survive two losing seasons back-to-back like that. I, I don't see where he's earned that. Not because he's not a good uh, defensive-minded coach, I, I, not because he's not a good man, but because at some point... You've got to get a head coach in there, especially in Pittsburgh, that will win over that town. Yes. That will begin to set a culture uh, that, you know, requires domination. I I say this, and I I will say this, and I say it with utter seriousness. It's possible, but I think this is what needs to happen. As I've told you before, he hasn't. I don't feel that he's found his coaching identity, because like you just said, he went to Pewitt, he led them to state, but it was not his offense. It was Buddy Conroe's offense that had been coached there. Reggie Conroe. Well, Reggie Conroe. I'm sorry, Reggie Conroe's offense that's been coached there for 46 years, and you stamped your name on it and said, "This will work for me if it because it worked." This will work for me if I take it here because it worked for me there. But that's not your offense. That's not your coaching identity. I think what will happen, what in order for you to, to, to win over a town, especially Pittsburgh, and this is coming from me as that being my hometown, I know how hard it is to win over a town, yeah. especially for football, for coaches, to come in, you're new to the town and everything, and you're trying to get people on your side and people to buy into your program. Abe is great for the culture. He's great with coming in and, and, and changing the mindsets of the players. He's, he's great for being a great role model, great uh, person to look up to. He can be if he wins. The but, problem okay, is- and that's what I'm getting to. I don't think his offensive coordinate, coordinator, who he slapped that offense on, the slot T, I don't truly, fully believe that he wants to run that offense. I say the Whether he does or he doesn't, I don't know that they're going to get the buy-in for it. Whether they want to or not, but I, I, but we seen earlier in the season when they played Carthage, they lined up in the uh, now they lined up in the gun right. Yeah. Now that wasn't the team to do it against, but they did. But they did that for a little bit and they stopped. 
I don't understand, and I understand, you know, you didn't really have the players um, to do that. But I think if he start, and it's not about satisfying the town, but it's about him finding his coaching identity outside of what was done in Pewitt. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's the thing to be expected. Now, of course, some people are going to 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 take somebody's uh, uh, uh some kind of resemblance of somebody else's offense yes. to try to make it their own. But he, I, I've said this before. He literally took what was done in Pewitt and made the ex, trying to try to make the exact replica of it in Pittsburgh, and it's not working. Okay. It works for certain team against certain teams, but for a team like Gilmer, it only works for so long. Well, you you could run that offense against Gilmer. But you would have to do it at a high level. We saw that with Solana. Solana marched right down the field when they would get into it. Yeah. You could do it. It's not <clears throat> Liberty Hill beat Carthage when you're around the SOC team. It can be done, but I don't think he's gotten the buy-in. And here's what I want to here's where I was headed with that earlier. He he is a great culture builder, but he demands so much from his players, which is not a bad thing necessarily. But that is the kind of approach that if you don't start winning pretty quickly, you're not going to get any buy-in. In fact, you're going to beat more people out of the program than you are going to, to mold them into who you want them to be. I personally think that's something very interesting to follow uh, You know, as we go through the rest of this offseason into next year is can he survive a 2-8 and eight year? Or, Another. as you've said, a one in nine year, because you kind of think that there's a possibility of North Lamar beating them next year. Yeah. You know? I don't think so. I say no. I say no. Boy, howdy, when that happens, do we have a story for you? Yeah. Because I've I, got a list of folks. Because you can't justify that. Yeah, but then but then we have to get into the conversation about the, the some of the candidates. And I know we keep teasing this, but I, I trust me, one of these days I will be able to release some names. Because of the candidates that were passed over this last time, you're not getting those dudes this time. They're not calling you. No. What a tragedy that's going to be for the program. Because it is. If he doesn't make it past next year, what a tragedy for the program. It is because one has already got a a, a coaching head job up up in Mesquite. Yeah. And so, you know, he... The thing is, is like I said before, and I, 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 I hope this isn't true, but it seems as almost as if when he came in, that was the team that he possibly could have led to state. And they, they would have had every opportunity to, yes. the way that they were rolling there. Yes, the they yes. were headed straight there. Um, <clears throat> and I just wonder if that was the only chance that he had, the only with the only team from Pittsburgh that he had to yeah. to make that happen. And I, I hope it is just, an know, interesting I, thought. Yeah, yeah. but I, I and I, I, it's not to say anything against Abram, but it's just a thought. You know, these are things that you seriously have to think about. You have to get outside. You know, he's a great guy. Okay, that's cool, but he's not winning games. Yeah, you're paying him to win football games. Yes, you're not paying him to be a great guy. You're paying him to win games. If you wanted a great guy, you could have gotten win got any of these other guys out here, but. You paid him because you thought that he could win games. And and right now, as it sets, he's in he's on he's what? Five and See, uh he won 
he he won. Again. He's about three. five and fifteen. Yeah, five fifteen or five sixteen. No, he's six and whatever. Yeah, we have six. Yeah. yeah, six, six and six, uh, six and sixteen. I, I mean, you. <laughs> That's tough. It I, is. I, I, you know, it, it really, really is. Uh, the the other two openings that. I mean, are worth mentioning is that both Tyler schools, Tyler Legacy, and uh, just Tyler High School, I think now, it used to be John Tyler, yeah. uh, is open. Out of those two jobs, John Tyler is the one that's a head-scratcher for me. You've got all that talent and can't win. <laughs> I, I just, I don't understand it. A lot of talent there. Yeah, I, I, I think you've got to get somebody in there who can rein it in, bring some discipline, bring some uniformity to the program, and create that winning culture that was there years ago. Uh, well, and it's still there. It's not like yeah. you run out of talent. I, I won't even say years ago. Just two, three years ago, they were in the state run, and they were up. State semifinals. State semifinals, yeah. yeah. What in the world changed? What happened? From what I understand, it was a culture thing, a culture problem. Different players? There were yeah. players that yeah, left. And, and just a lack of uh, discipline, you know, within the program. And if that's the case, that's why I say you can have all the talent in the world and and blow games because you're not disciplined. You've yeah. got to get somebody in there who will demand it and be able to get those hits to come out, play football, play hard, get back to being who you know that you're capable of being. Because that's one of those jobs that really, talent-wise, has a very high ceiling. Right. The question is, can you bring some uniformity to the program as a whole? Uh, the other downside to that job, both Tyler jobs, is that you get to choose where you go to high school. So you don't necessarily have the same kids in junior high that you're going to have in high school. Some of them may choose to go to the other school. So, I mean, you've got some, some barriers there, but it's certainly not something that can't be overcome with the amount of talent that chooses, you know, uh, yeah. Tyler High. I, I <clears throat> Tyler Legacy, I mess a different story, but... John Tyler, I, I mean, I'm pretty shocked. I mean, because you're right, they have they have a lot of talent, too much talent to let go to waste. Um, but whoever, I, I say whoever gets there, it will have to be that you know strict disciplinarian, you know, because if not, and you 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 risk having another season going down the drain. I don't understand how the head coach, I mean, the coach that was there, allowed that to hap- start happening. It just one of those culture things. That's why I say. You've got to hire coaches that are good for your culture. You know, you've got to look at the fit. And I think a lot of times people look at the names and the resumes, but they don't think about the fit. Does yeah. this fit who we are? Does this bring the kind of stability long-term that we want for our program moving right. for the next four, five, six years? That's how you build a program. There's a lot of guys who can catch lightning in a bottle and have a good first year. But it's a totally different thing when, okay, now what are you going to do? How are you going to build off that? Right. That was my question for Pittsburgh. How do you build off that? You know, here's all the momentum. We were told in an interview coming into the season, hey, we just got to shake the dust off. We're good to go. That didn't happen. So it, it's more than just catching lightning in a bottle for, for a, a playoff run. It's about what can you do for that school to put them in a position for sustained success. That's why it blows my mind that you would get rid of, going back to the Hugh Spring situation, blows my mind that you would get rid of him. Simply because most teams would kill 
to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, most teams would kill for that. Most teams would, would most schools would kill to, to be in a position of stability where, hey, we're going to get the best we can out of our kids. We're not going to have the most talented kids on the field, but we're going to get the best that we can out of them and put ourselves in positions to win games, sometimes even when we shouldn't. Because with that, that kind of a mentality, you had that, you, you move on from it, whatever. But but it goes back to my larger point that those are the kind of things that, that school boards and, and these hiring committees need to look at <clears throat> is what puts us as a program in a position to win, not just this year, not just next year, but for years to come. Because if you, you can win for a year or two, but you get two or three losing seasons, you're going to have athletes moving out. You're going to have uh, less of a turnout for football. And then it's it's almost it's borderline impossible. I'm not saying it's completely impossible because we hear about it every once in a while. But it's borderline impossible to dig a school out of a streak of three, four, five losing seasons and make them into a perennial contender. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying it's completely impossible, but it, it's not a regular occurrence. Yeah, no. And we only know a few teams that have been able to do that. And um, two of them are uh, here in East Texas. And, and, and uh, Mount Vernon's one of them. And uh, Pleasant Grove, Texarkana, is one of them. But, you know, you're right. You know, it, on that end, it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy to, to, to do that because it goes back to that mentality thing. If you, if you take a group of kids who have known nothing but losing – for I, I say about three to five years. That's all they've known, and we said this last year uh, with Pittsburgh is they didn't know how they don't know they didn't know how to win. At yeah, first. they they knew they didn't know what it <clears throat> took to win. They never they were never coached how to win. Right, how to finish a ball and how yeah how to finish, and we seen that. But when but boy when they learned when they start winning it was like you know a pit bull getting his first blood for the first time. A, a prime example of this is is Wascom. They were they were a laughing stock for years, then they hire some unknown offensive football coach, head soccer coach, say come on down, and now he's like the king of the the flex ball. Yeah, uh, and they win two state championships, make deep runs. It can be done, but again, they hired a guy who could set them up for long term success. Yeah, they saw it. They said, "Here's a fit. We're gonna make it happen." Well. You you've got to get those kind of guys, and not everybody's going to be a Whitney Keeling. Not right. everybody's going to be a Dennis Alexander. Not everybody's going to be an Art Browse. Uh, some of those more top coaches. Yeah. But you've just got to make sure that you don't get this new hire, this flashy deal. Everybody's excited, and then three years later, you're back in this pit, and now you don't have the candidates. That you had before because they're going well. If he didn't win, why? Well, this what makes me think I can. this this brings kind of brings me uh, back you know, to the conversation that we had not too long ago about you know are there any more real head coaches left? Uh, and then we were talking about the NFL, but now let's put it on the high school side. You know, are there any more head coaches who can do that? Who can bring a a, a winning culture to a high school football team? Or even just at high school as a as a whole, are there any more? Because there, you starting to see coaches uh, last at schools um, five years at the most, and then they're out. You're not seeing no longer seeing the 
10 to 20 year coaches, you know, or retiring from this high school, you know, and, and, and White House, you know, he just, that guy just retired. Um, you're not, you're not seeing that. And I think there's only a few schools who have those type of coaches. Gilmore being one of them, um, I, I thought Pleasant Grove would have been one of them, but he, he may not be there for too much longer, but. Well, you've always had the sense with him. He's from the Metroplex area that eventually he would go back. Yeah. That's always been but, the sense there. But my point is, <clears throat> you know, are there any more of those type of coaches who can bring a winning culture with them? Not not many. Uh, and not many that get the kind of buy-in needed to do it. Yeah. To, to dig teams out of those holes. And I just think, you know, you... <clears throat> It's either you're gonna you you choose wisely and who you hire you hire as a head coach or you stick it out with a guy, uh, and give him a chance to to build it even when it, even though if it's not working out, and uh, you 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 stick with him and I think that that's the other side of Pittsburgh's deal. Either you go you move on if they go if they have a, even a two in whatever season, two and eight season even if they have that. I'm calling one and nine, but even if they have a two and eight season again, either you move on, or else you stick it out with. And that's the other side of it. That's the and only you other accept option. Mediocrity. Yeah, and, and you accept it and say, well, you know what? This wasn't the team we're going to give next year. We're going to see what he can do with next year team, whether it be a fresh team or whatever. We're going to stick with him because we believe in him. We believe that he can bring that culture. To our 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 boys, and th- that's the only other side of it. There's no other. There's no other alternate. Yeah. Either you're gonna fire them, let them go, or you're gonna stick with them. All right. Lot of coverage there for high school. Yeah. But hey, that we're getting into that stretch of the season where these kind of conversations are happening. Right. Because now you know you've got the moving majority, pieces yeah. to the puzzle. Yeah, and the majority of them are already out, and and so all <laughs> all season has kind of started for them. Now on to the NBA. Yeah, man. Lakers and LeBron. Lakers and LeBron. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Lakers and LeBron. So last week we talked about you know if if whether or not LeBron was an asset to the Lakers offense, whether or not he was needed or just wanted there. Um, and I kind of eat my words this time because you know he after coming back he's been uh, two games back now and they uh, they've won against the Spurs. Uh, who I see is a very down team right now. Yeah, they're still not playing any. Yeah, and and we'll see how that 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 comes up this week. I think they play Wednesday or tomorrow night. But either way, yes. um, I see how it works with LeBron in there now. But it's back to what I said: is that you have a point guard. He's not playing point guard. He's not right. running the point. He's more out and open. He's able to get out there and do what he wants to do. Hey, if he's on the edge and you're open, and you can find get him open. He'll shoot the three. Yeah, but you're paying him too much money to do. That. I, I, I listen. <clears throat> I agree with that. I, I really do. Um, if he's not going to be the but guy at, at this point, you know, Le- LeBron is he's still able to put up points. Uh, he's still able to help that offense rather uh, kind of move more fluently. But it was more, it was intriguing, uh, to say the least, when he wasn't out there to see how they moved. They moved a lot more, or I wouldn't say nothing, anything different than when he when he is on the court. 
when they were winning without him, it's just the same as now they're winning with him. I mean, nothing has changed on that offense, but other than him still still be able, being able to put up points. Um, Anthony Davis is still dominant. Um, uh, Westbrook is still playing But it goes very back to well. what I say, though, about him. He's not worth that. Like, like the, what points he's putting up? Yeah, they're good points. You can win ball games without him putting up the points. Yeah, he's I, not worth the future of your franchise. Just to say, we've got LeBron James at this point. He's become nothing more than than a ticket seller. Yeah, you know, he, he's he is well, a high ticket item where people will still show up to see LeBron just to say they've seen LeBron in person. But as far as does he add wins to you? No. Does he add some points to the offense? Maybe. Yeah. But but that's not. Winning you, Paul. Well, and, and that's the yeah, and you're right there, and that's exactly what I believe too. Is that you know he's him being on the court does not you know dictate whether you win or lose anymore. It's not like he's not that type of player anymore. No. And that's and and that has a lot to do with uh, age being one of them. But then again, you have ten times the player in, players in the NBA now that can match him. You know those the young guys that are coming up, they're just as almost just as dominant as he is. Yeah, there's not as big of a talent gap uh, in the NBA as there was at one time. Right, and so with LeBron, with LeBron, it's more like you said, it's it's more of just to to get the uh, the 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 seats filled rather. Yeah. But I say it's 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 a part of the Lakers' identity to have that big name there. You know, they had when when Magic was there, Kareem. Uh, Kobe. Sha- Kobe, Shaq, and then you look at the years when they didn't have those big names, how they struggled, and and nobody was really wanting, you know, paying attention to the Lakers when they had when they first got uh, D'Angelo Russell, you know, yeah, and then they went and got Lonzo Ball, which was another big name move for them. And then LeBron comes in, and then LeBron, trading. yeah, and LeBron comes in, you get LeBron, and he trades them off, and then trades uh, Ingram and a couple of other cats off, and so. It's a part of their identity to have that big name player, and the only big name player, one of the only big name players out there right now is LeBron James. Just happened to be one of them. Well, it is better for the NBA when the Lakers, who are a very big market team, have a big name for agent. Yeah, hands down, I don't disagree with that. But he's not worth running your franchise into the ground. You've sold your soul to him. He controls your destiny. Period. Yeah, if you're not willing. He controls who your head coach is. He controls what players you can and can't have. He controls who you draft. You know, because you don't want to draft a kid that he may not like, and then a year later you got to trade him. I mean, he's. You've sold your soul to have LeBron. And on the court, he's not worth that. Ticket sales, maybe, but on the court, no. Yeah, and. well, it's like I said, he, he, the points-wise, he adds points. But, I mean, it's... But but those it's, points it's are not equaling wins. That's, no, that's my and, thing. You know, that's one thing that I was talking to my, a friend is they would have, just as last season, they were winning with him and without him. They were losing with him or without him. He, he's not the, the type of player anymore that affects the change or the motion or momentum of the game just because he's out on the court because they've lost games with him or on account of him. They've lost games with or without him or or without him on the court. He's he's not that 
dominant anymore. He can put up points, but he's not. And I go back to he's not worth that contract. He's not worth the headache that comes because now you keep him, you have to draft Bronny, that whole fiasco. Yeah. Does, you know, all of those things are, are things that, to me, the Lakers need to, to assess and say, what do we want to be in the next four or five years? Well, it's become more of a, sh- uh, I say this, LeBron's <coughs> more of a show. Yeah, he's like reality TV. He, yeah, he and, his and own rather than just TV. rather than just a player, and that's what I always say. Between him, him and Kobe, it was a mentality deal. LeBron is at the age now, and his and at the point in his, in his career where he shouldn't be trying to outdo Kobe. He yeah. shouldn't want the same treatment as Kobe had with the Lakers. Uh, he shouldn't want the same uh, status. Anything he should not. Kobe's dead and gone now. May yeah. he rest in peace. And he's not Kobe Bryant. That's no, the thing. he's not. And, and Kobe. I tell people all the time, it was a mentality difference with Kobe and yeah. LeBron. LeBron doesn't have that mentality. That's what set those two apart. He he can outscore Kobe all day, but there's a mentality that Kobe brought with him. And Kobe did not play for the show. Kobe played because Kobe liked to win. Yeah. Kobe didn't like to get, to lose. And, and that's the difference is, is LeBron plays for the show. Now, he may not like to lose. Nobody likes to lose. But he's going to put up the points because he wants those stats. He wants that uh, attention. He wants the cameras on him. He wants that show. Yeah. Kobe just wanted to win. Kobe wanted championships. If Kobe, if Kobe had a bad game, Kobe wasn't going to be all up in the camera's faces all the time. You know, he... Kobe just did what Kobe did, and LeBron needs to do what LeBron does, and 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 not look forward to trying to be or uh, get the same treatment that Kobe did. You have your respect in your own way. Yeah. Go with that. That's that's all. Well, LeBron James is going to the Hall of Fame. No, without a doubt. So so I don't understand what he thinks he's chasing here. You're already a Hall of Famer. You're not ever going to be on the level of Michael Jordan. You're not going to be on the level of Kobe Bryant. I argue that he's on the, the level of Magic Johnson or Larry Purr. Yeah. I, he's not that guy. And, I, I, and I, that The reason why is he's inching up there as being one of the top scorers in the NBA ever in history. But that, 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 that leaves, that's all. It's just stats. Kevin Durant's the same way. He will get into the Hall of Fame. Because of his statistics. Yeah. Russell Westbrook has an argument for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Because of his statistics. statistics. But but the difference is those those guys I just named, Michael Jordan, put teams together, was the, the leader, single-handedly won championships. Larry Bird, single-handedly won championships. Magic Johnson, single-handedly won championships. Kobe Bryant, single-handedly won championships. That is what we consider greatness. There's Hall of Famers, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's like these guys that are a level above that we put in lore, like ancient lore. Like we will tell stories a hundred years from now about Michael Jordan and Kobe and Magic and Larry that we won't tell about LeBron or Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook. Because there's a difference between a Hall of Fame player, which those guys are, and the others. And the problem is that LeBron wants to be the others, but he doesn't have the mentality that the others have. Right. 
And so it's ruining him in the long-term conversation of where does he fit in in the top 10, 15, 20 players of all time. Statistically, everybody wants to put him up there. Not necessarily a problem for me. But really and truly, when the casual fan talks about greatness, they talk about more than just the stats. They talk about the mentality, the things that they saw. We, You, you look back at some of the film, and, and some of our listeners probably saw it in person. Uh, what Michael did, what uh, uh, Magic did, what Larry did. You you watched them, and you thought to yourself, I won't see that ever again. Yeah. We saw things with Kobe Bryant that you knew when it happened, we will never see that again. Yeah. You don't get that sense with LeBron. You don't get that sense with Kevin Durant. You don't, you don't even get that sense, in my opinion, with Steph Curry. You, you see things that you go, man, that's that's a, a great talent. Yeah. That's a Hall of Famer. But they're not once in a lifetime. Those other guys are once in a lifetime. And I think that's where LeBron's got to realize, no matter how long I stay in the league, I'm not reaching them. And, in fact, I'm hurting my case by not being able to win games now and build my own team. Yeah. He, he's shooting himself in the foot, and in the process, he's taking the Lakers down with him. And I'll say this for LeBron. Now, when he went back to Cleveland, he did lead them to a championship. He had Kevin Love and uh, Kyrie Irving yeah. with him. He led them to a championship twice. He lost the uh, lost the first time, and I think he won the second time. Yes, he beat Golden State. Yes. But that was with injuries. and Yeah. And, and now... I'll, I'll give him that. And matter of fact, I even said then that that's when LeBron won my respect is when he won the championship with Cleveland. And I, I still respect him as 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 a man. I'm not but, too keen on him. But then you didn't see him single handedly win a championship. No, he, he no he he fought he battled for it. Yes, but it's just like what you said. Those greats did things that will forever stick with the fans, or even if they weren't fans. There are stories that will be told about Kobe Bryant, and I remember the night. I, I remember to the the night that Kobe Bryant, the night that he retired, his last game in the NBA back in 2016 uh, against the Jazz, uh, him putting up 61 points. Yeah. To he Kobe went out with a bang. I mean, he went out on top, and that was one of those things that will forever stick with the Lakers fans. And even people around the world, if you watched that game that night, or it was even there in that arena, you felt that energy. Even through the TV screen, you felt that energy. You felt that because we knew <coughs> there were not, there will never be anybody else yeah. that would be able to do this at the age that Kobe did. Kobe was yeah. 39, 40 years old and put up 61 points. We knew there's nobody else that's going to be able to do this. No. Because even LeBron, LeBron hasn't done that yet. LeBron's not ever going to come close. Exactly. And so you have players like that. And then, you know, Jordan playing through the flu. Yeah. You know, through the flu. And putting up all those ex- points. Yes, ex- extremely dehydrated at the point. Yeah. To the point where he got to the locker room and, it, and he had to have an IV. But these are guys, these are the guys, this is what made them great is, is that they had this mentality about them, about their game, that that at any cost they were willing to win, and they wanted to win, and in many cases they did. Yeah. And if they didn't, that gummit, you can't say that they didn't give it their all. Right. 
LeBron, on the other case, and I may, and I say this all the time, is LeBron. These guys fought on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. LeBron will stand, stand and sit at the other end of the court and argue with a ref about a foul that may have never. Because he didn't want to play defense. Yeah, and and, and, and while his team is down on the other court on defense, he's on the other end. I would have more, about a foul. I would have more respect for LeBron if he would just come out and say, I don't want to play defense, so it's going to be four and five down at the other end. Yeah. I'll wait down here. If you get a rebound, <clears throat> you can throw it out to me, and I'll catch it. And we'll, you know. we'll snow bird it. Yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, that's that's one thing. I, I One of my main arguments about LeBron is he he's not a full-time player on the court. And, and he's actually, I mean, in all reality, in all actuality, he is not. A well-rounded basketball player. He's Overall, not, he's not a well-rounded basketball. I would say he's not clutch. He has his games. Yeah, he may make some threes, but he's not clutch. I've seen LeBron lose more <laughs> games more than he's won them. Yeah, just simply the fact that you know everybody knows the ball going to go to him. He holds on. Just say it's twelve seconds left on the clock. He's going to hold on to that ball for eight seconds. Wait till it gets about about four three point some seconds. Pulls up, shoots it, misses. Yeah, there's a game. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't make the right calls in clutch moments. And he doesn't make the right shots, call the right shots in clutch moments. He's not clutch. Kobe was clutch. Uh, uh, Jordan was clutch. Bird was clutch. Magic. Uh, Kareem. These guys were clutch players. They knew how to run the court. and They knew how the right shots to make to put their team up for a win. But LeBron doesn't know how to do that consistently. And it's not that we just harp on LeBron and the Lakers, but right now that's kind of the big story of the NBA. Yeah. Brooklyn's kind of on the back burner right now. Celtics are on the back burner. Dallas is kind of in and out of the mix there with Luka. Uh, and so the Lakers right now are dominating the headlines. Yeah. Even in a season where they're not winning ball games, they still dominate the headlines. Right. Because it's the Lakers. <clears throat> and and it's just, it so happened that it's the Lakers and... LeBron James. LeBron James. With what uh, Russell Westbrook in the mix. Now, Russell's doing a good, starting to do a good job. Um, but I, I don't I don't know, man. Now, like I said, they're winning with him, and they will probably lose some more with him or without him. But he, he's definitely not a, a major factor in. In that offense, he's a help, but he's not a major factor in that offense anymore. He's not a a weight that shifts the balance. Yeah, because not, now not because Lakers have the players now to 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 build on whether or not he's there. But or not. see that this would be the time to cut him because of what you just now they're in a position to build. Now you could actually build off of, around some guys. Build around AD. Build around Westbrook. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, build around a Patrick Beverly type. Yeah. You know, do that and tell LeBron, hey, you want to go keep playing fine. Go finish your career somewhere else. Make somebody else deal with this. Because we actually want to build a culture here and we want to build a franchise, not just have a showcase player yeah. you know, that comes off and, well, and, and, and has some 30 or 40 point games I, every I, once in a while. I say this about LeBron is I'd rather him retire. I'd rather see him, see him retire. Uh, he's talked about owning his own team, having a team in Vegas and owning it. <clears throat> and that may happen in the uh, near future. Why not? You're a billionaire. Go, Go do what yeah, you want. And, and do that. Um, 
And then if you, then you'd be able to draft your son yeah. or sons, both of your sons, uh, and then go on from that. You'll be able to build your own team. Yep. Hire whoever, whatever head coach you want. Have your philosophy. Yes, and then you win, win championships. Add on to you know, you'll get a ring. You won't be playing, but you'll get a ring. But and do that because as of right now, for LeBron, for the last decade, LeBron's been more of a GM than he's been a basketball player. Yeah, he's been more of a dictator of a, of teams than he has been a player. And, and so, why not just do that? Because you're not going to get the same. You're not on a level of Kobe with the Lakers. I'm sorry that this won't happen. You're a good player, great player, but you won't be on that same level. You won't ever will because Kobe did something special that only Kobe could do. Right. You know, and for LeBron, man, just just play the game. That's as a Laker fan, we're not asking you to be Superman. We just want you to play the game. And you realize win. he can't. Yeah, you and, and, he and can't. win the games with the guys that you have. Yeah. Win. Let's play the game. Moving on now to college football. Ooh. The playoffs have kind of sorted themselves yeah. out. So here's my projected top six. Not as much in. of a headache this week as it's been these last two well, weeks. Well, I don't know. Got some stuff for you. Okay. So. I thought. Heading into the announcement will come out tomorrow. Here's my projections. I've got Georgia as the number one team in the country. Michigan is the number two team in the country. USC is the number three team in the country. And TCU at four. Hmm. Even though TCU is undefeated, I still say I test, strength of schedule, all that. In my opinion, USC is a better football team. USC sells more tickets, brings more eyeballs to the television set. Got Ohio State at number five after they took an absolute beating from Michigan. And then Alabama at number six. Here's where it gets interesting to me. <clears throat> Let's say that USC... Well, USC wins. They, they've already beat Notre Dame. They're done, so they're in. But let's say TCU loses, and LSU finds the magic again, even though they blew their playoff chances because they lost to A&M. Whole another story. But let's say that they beat Georgia. Okay. How, and let's say that they beat Georgia by a couple of touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I say that if TCU loses and Georgia loses, Ohio State and Alabama are in. No. Yeah. No. I would not. I would not remove a, a, a one loss Georgia to a. Uh, Here's why, because now you, they're losing to a three loss LSU, and if it's not close, you can't justify that because they only beat Alabama by two points. <sighs> Actually, one. Yeah, one. I went for two. And yeah, one by one in LSU. Okay, okay, okay. So now you've got Georgia losing a neutral site. SEC championship, championship game, game, and if they lose by more than one point to a three-loss LSU, I think you have a conversation. I think it's all about how they lose. If they lose, yeah. I think it's about how they lose. Yeah. Well, remember I told you because I said if they lose, then <clears> that's <throat> you can't justify that loss at in the championship yeah. game. 
That was back that, when LSU had two losses. Yeah, but that was also before I knew they got blown out by A&M. Yeah. If they lose to LSU in the championship game, I do not see why they still should remain as a top team. Uh, although, I think they do fall to number two and Michigan may be number one. Um, but either way, I do not see why you would take them out of the playoff running. Just based off of, if, if this is what they're going to do, you got to be fair. Based off of strength of schedule and based off of the fact that you ran this chart for the majority of the season, you lose one game to LSU, who just got blown out by arguably the worst team, one of the worst teams in, in the SEC. SEC. So, that's why I say you can't justify any longer. And I, I, I changed my stance here. You can't, you can't do that. You can't remove Georgia if they get beat by LSU. Now, if you were to look at the other side of it, okay, then I see what you're saying. If it, it all depends on how they lose. Now, if they lose by three touchdowns, then maybe there's a discussion. But if it's by, I say, by one or two, there shouldn't be any discussion. But it's still a worse loss than Alabama. Alabama's a number six team right now. It doesn't, I mean. Well, I project them. I, th- I think they are still sitting at six. Okay, but either way, <clears throat> Georgia's been the number one team. They've been the number one team. It doesn't matter. Alabama no longer should be a factor. But they are because it's Alabama. It's well, still Nick Saban. It's still Roll Tide Alabama. And and here's here's the thing. College fo- and they just beat Auburn pretty badly. College football is better when Alabama's in the picture. Bar none. College football is better when Alabama's in the picture. Okay. I get that. I get that. That's why I think they still stay close enough to where if one of these teams drops out, they have a chance. Okay, well, who does TCU have coming up? Uh, it's uh, Kansas State. That should be an, an all right game. I think they. But if Kansas win. State beats TCU, if T listen, the committee doesn't want TCU there. They just well, have that, to yeah. put them there because they're undefeated. Yeah. If TCU loses that ball game, TCU's out without <clears> a question because it's not. I mean, they're not a top team. Okay, but but here's my argument then. I even make a case that Alabama should jump over Ohio State. Here's why. Alabama has not been blown out all season long. Ohio State took a beating on national television by Michigan. A yeah. beating. Not just a, I mean, a, an absolute slobber-knocking, call your mama, drag yourself home, beating. I mean, just an absolute domination at home. Right. Both of Alabama's losses are by one point on the road. I I don't see where they would get in over Alabama. Okay, I can't argue with you there. I I mean, I agree. agree. But that's the only way that that even becomes an option or even a uh, discussion. But I, I still I, I don't I still don't see ultimately Alabama making it in the in the top four. I, I just don't see it happening. I think USC sticks to it. I think USC sticks to that num- that number three spot. Um and whether or not They're Georgia, not currently, but I've got them going there okay. tomorrow. Um but I see them I see them taking that number three spot yeah. then. <clears throat> and 
Because I still think a one-loss USC is better than a no-loss TCU. Yeah, based off of... Sorry, TCU. I'm just not sold on you. I mean, because you haven't played... You, you barely beat Baylor. You know, you had some struggles against Texas. I just don't... And then you barely beat a Baylor team who gets beat by a couple touchdowns by UT. I mean, yeah. I, I just... The strength of schedule in the Big Twelve is so bad. But this season has all all just they've all been just a back to back round knockout round because you you have one week uh the team a team will be barely beat by or will barely get beat by a top team and then the week they they'll turn around and blow out another team yeah. that same team that just got barely beat turn around and blow out another team or. Vice versa. And so it's kind of been like a back and forth, like, well, I'm going to hit you in the lip. Okay, I'm just going to turn around and hit them in the nose. Yeah. You know, it, it's been like that with all the conferences. Uh, you have to, you know, and I, as, they, as they're doing right now, taking in the strength of schedules, you have to see who's, who's going to pull in the most looks. And the eye test. Now, How yeah. do they look on the football field? Yeah. And right, I haven't seen much of TCU. I've seen a, a, a bit of them. Um, but I don't think I'm not sure if they can match TCU's up with a, a USC. T- TCU's a good football team. They're not a great football team. Yeah, I, I they deserve a spot <coughs> in there because they'll win their conference. Only if they win their conference. Yes. Yeah. If they get a loss, they're out. I, and I don't see well, that. who who? Let's see who they're playing. They they're playing Kansas State, right? Yeah. And so if they lose to Kansas State, they'll still be in it for uh, the uh, the. No, that's the big twelve. That's the Big Twelve championship. Yeah, now. yeah. Oh, the Kansas. Yes, yeah. Okay, so if okay, okay. Well, then we'll have to look at Kansas City's schedule. Kansas State. Well, know. yeah. Well, I mean, Kansas City. But regardless, that's a one-loss Big Twelve team. They're out. The committee doesn't want them in there. They're just waiting for them to lose a ball. They the committee want them to lose for the last two weeks. Okay. Okay. Let's venture this then. Let's venture this. If it were Texas, the Longhorns, they're in because that's a national program. TCU's not. That's the difference. If it was Texas A&M, they're in. Even though you jipped Texas A&M a couple years ago, yeah. In this situation, Texas A&M would be in. If it was Oklahoma, they're in. It's the fact that it's TCU that's a very regional football team. Right. right Unless right. you live around Fort Worth, you're not a big TCU fan 90% of the time. It's just like Texas Tech. The problem with Texas Tech is they're so far out west that if, if you don't live in that area, you're generally not a Texas Tech fan. But there are people from all over the country that are UT fans. There are people all over the country that are Texas A&M fans. There are people all over the country that are Oklahoma fans. That's the difference. Hmm. <clears throat> I just, I just, for for TCU, you know, at first, you know, I, I understand it now, you know, when you name teams like uh, USC, Michigan, uh, even Ohio State, just kind of throw them in there. You, you kind of wonder, okay, does TCU fit in player player wise? Um, I don't see TCU being the, as dominant as those teams. 
uh, even though with a, an under uh, undefeated record thus far. But I say they let him in anyways off of, you know, you kind of have to. I mean, they're only favored minus two and a half in the Big 12 championship game. They're only giving them, Vegas is only giving them two and a half points to an undefeated football team. Kansas that, State. I mean, Kansas State's, uh, you know, upset some people. But but what I'm saying is that's my point with the way that the committee looks at it. If Vegas only gives TCU a, a two and a half points going into the Big 12 championship game, an undefeated TCU, that tells you that nobody in the country respects them. Like, they look and go, you've pulled out some games you shouldn't have pulled out. Yeah, okay, well... That you're not a legitimate top four team in the country. Okay, okay. Okay, now, okay, I understand that. (coughs) Okay, but what about, okay, let's let's throw USC in there. Now, now let's take away the the fact that USC USC will make a great story. Let's just say (laughs) USC is just USC, uh, a... uh, you know, one loss team. Yeah. In the Big Ten or Pac Ten. Pac twelve. Pac twelve. Let's just say they're just you know just <coughs> regular team, one loss team. They've done good. They've done good up to this point. You know, they've been dominant. They have uh, a strong schedule, and no one really cares too much about Lincoln Riley being there first season. Do they still get in? Without the the moral story of it. Yes. And here's why. Because there are people all over the country that will watch USC football. Even without the story. If it was, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Without it just without it being a... And they play Utah for the, the Pac-12 championship. USC? Yeah, Friday. Yeah. Without them being a good story... You know, the, they're the still popular. in though, but it—it's not just about them being a good story; it's about the fact that they're a national brand. Like people still associate USC with a a national brand, like oh, that's a great football team. But not TCU. But not TCU. No, that's a very okay. regional. Like USC, people will stay up at ten o'clock at night our time to watch them play on the West Coast because it's USC. Yeah. Okay. You're not doing that for TCU. Hmm. Okay, okay. Because I want those uh, some scenarios out there. Uh, TCU a couple of years ago when they were in the Tostito Bowl, or was it over against Stanford? That team say switch that team with this team. That team goes undefeated. Would there be any argument if it's Stanford? Again, that the team, the teams that played back to back those years in the bowl games, those teams, not the record, those teams switch spots with this year's undefeated team. You're talking about TCU. Yes, TCU. TCU still doesn't get in. Why not? Everybody's watching was watching TCU then. Maybe I, I think. Let me back that up. I think I don't think that they get in over USC, but I do think they have a better argument because people. 
watch because Gary Patterson. Like he was still a name. Very great defense, you know, defensive minded head coach. He was a name. Yeah. People would watch to watch him coach. I, I, I do think you would have more of an argument. I, I still don't think that they would get in over a USC, you know, or anything. Or even in Alabama. Yeah. I just, I you know... And, and here's why I think that the committee wants Alabama. They never dropped Alabama below number seven. Even after Alabama lost to LSU at LSU, they didn't drop lower than number seven in the playoff rankings. They've kept them in the picture the entire time. Like, you never looked at Alabama and said, they have no chance now. <clears throat> They've always kept them close enough where if this team loses and this team loses and, you know, Alabama plays their cards right now, they've got a chance. And it's all about the brand of college football. Alabama is a national brand. Love them or hate them, you're going to watch them. Love them or hate them, you're going to watch Michigan. Love them or hate them, you're going to watch Georgia. Love them or hate them, uh, you're going to watch a USC or an Ohio State. But if you're going to watch TCU, you're not watching them unless you're a TCU fan. They're not going to draw in the casual, hey, I'm flipping through different games on a Saturday. Let's watch TCU football. it's It's just not a thing. That's the problem. But all this goes away when we go to 12 teams. <clears throat> yeah. this, then it's just going to be a, more about who beat who. Yeah. And you're not going to have these kind of discussions. And, and they got to figure that out soon. But I even argue that if there was 12 teams, Alabama and Michigan would play for the national championship. You think they're better than Georgia? Do I think Alabama's better than Georgia? Possibly, yes. I think they have the possibility of beating Georgia. Will they? I don't know. Even Michigan? <clears throat> that Michigan would beat Georgia? Yes. I think it's going to be Georgia and Michigan for the national championship. I do too. If, if Alabama doesn't get in there somehow. I, I do too. But. I, I, because, okay. I think about for this. TCU. Think about this. If you take, If you're able to take TCU out. And you put Alabama in over Ohio State because of Ohio State taking that absolute beating. You could have semifinal games of Georgia and Alabama and Michigan USC. You're telling me that that wouldn't draw in tons of viewership? Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's why you have to have Alabama in the conversation. Like it or not, that's why. That's why TCU is hanging on by a thread, just like Cincinnati did. And then the worst thing that happened for TCU is that last year, <clears throat> the committee let Cincinnati in. You know, it was the first time that, that a non-Power 5 school had been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They let them in, and Cincinnati got absolutely embarrassed by Georgia. So now the committee's less about the Cinderella stories and they're more about what can bring us the closest football games. And you can't tell me or anybody else in the country that Georgia and Alabama wouldn't be closer than Georgia and TCU. No way. I, I don't think I, I, no, I don't no, even well, think no, it's you close. Can't. 
I mean, that's and not Michigan's an already proven that if they play Ohio State, they're just going to beat them like there's no tomorrow. C.D. Stroud single-handedly lost the Heisman Trophy Saturday. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I listen, I, I, I agree. It, it will be a closer game, it, you know. I just hate it, you, you know, for TCU because <clears throat> they can't help that, you know, they're not, they don't have that same level of notoriety as USC or Michigan or any of the others. They, I, I understand, but it have. goes back to this is why kids choose the schools that they choose is because there's only a handful where you have a legitimate chance to compete for or win a national championship. I agree. I, uh, but I, if, if Alabama sneaks in there, if they sneaks in there, if they sneak in there, and that it does make it a little bit more interesting. Now I have to admit that it makes it a lot more interesting because it's a possibility that they can, they can work their way <coughs> up to the national championship game. Possibly, yeah. I'm not saying that they would beat Georgia. I think they have the potential to beat Georgia. Oh yeah, well by far, you know. But I mean. But having watched TCU, I don't think that they have that kind of a mentality. I, I don't think that I think that there is still a talent gap between them and the SEC schools. Just by well, it's always a big gap between everybody else and the SEC schools, man. That's the thing. That's that's the big argument. Well, but that's also why we're headed to a day where all the great schools are in one conference and all the lesser schools are in another and they have two separate championships. Like, we're going to go to 12 teams first, but then after that I think that we will start to see more conversations about we're going to have our championship, y'all go have yours, and then you can call yourself a national champion. Because in reality, there's only a handful of schools in the country that have a legitimate chance year in and year out to compete for a national title. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. There you go. The year in and year out. Now, LSU can work their way into a conversation every once in a while, you know, because they, they have, they're still very strong. Uh, Oklahoma in the past was able to work their way in there. You, you see a path, not saying it's going to happen, but you see a path where maybe a UT could have worked their way in there if they hadn't gone to the SEC. Yeah. But but by and large, there's only four or five teams in the country that can tell a recruit year in and year out you have a great chance to win a national title. <clears throat> That's pretty much, I mean, pretty much how it goes. I mean, in, in, in a fair sense, not not to say just because of who the teams are, but it's a fair, fair sense that, you know, these teams are more dominant than the others. Um, honestly, I'm just ready for this, you know, these top four. I'm ready for them to get these championship games over with, get these last weeks in. Uh, and and, and kind of just say okay, who, these are going to be the bowl games, and these are going to be this is the these are the top four teams. Cause this is uh, it's it's as jumbled up as a pair of headphones that you pull out your pocket after a long day. It's just, it's just 
True. Yeah, it, it it's, it, it's been like this for a month. You know, because teams have been... And it's cons- going to be this way till we go to 12. Yeah, and, and, and teams haven't been consistent. That's all I got to say. They haven't been consistent. Only about two of them have. And that's Michigan and Georgia. Now, speaking of LSU, Jimbo saved his job. Right? I mean, like, now you can't fire him. He beat LSU. He knocked him out of the playoff uh, talks. He you saved know. his job. Plus, you got that big buyout. No way you're firing Jimbo Fisher now. No way. He made a bowl game. He may win a bowl game. All Jimbo did was pacify the board of committees. But that's all he's got to do. Because of that $95 million buyout that he has in that contract, that's all he has to do. He's just got to pacify the board of regents. He gave them a bottle and tucked <laughs> them to bed. That's all he did until he messes up again. And, and, and well, then, but but I think you're going to say this year he's not going to go and try and go toe-to-toe with Nick Saban in the press room. He's not going to be talking about this. I, I think this is the year where Jimmo puts his head in the sand Keeps his head down, pushes forward, does what he's got to do, and tries to put a better product yeah. on the field. And I'm, you know, I'm not taking away from uh, Texas A&M's program. They obviously have talent over there. You know, have a, a great band of athletes. Uh, it's just, you know, Jimbo got just like I said, he, he gonna have to shut up. But but I think he will. Like you you listen to him now, he's not. That bombastic, loud, you know, he, yeah. he's not antagonizing anybody. Uh, but but I think he did what he had to do this year to get to next year to see what he's got. He's got to figure out the quarterback position. He's got to figure out some, some different things if he wants to get back into those conversations. Yeah. Because coming into the year, he is in the conversation to be one of the top four teams in the country. Yeah. Then he quickly uh, and precipitously fell off. <laughs> I... I- and this is just a thought real quick. Uh, could have been when, when Nick Saban initiated, unintentionally initiated this this argument, could it, it have been that Nick was telling the nation, the country, that, listen, I don't have the best team <clears throat> this year. When he was saying, you know, I wish that we were able, to, I was able to pay players like uh, Jimbo and, you know. Maybe, but I, I think that it really came more down to Nick Saban trying to point out the problem with this NIL system. That you're going to have kids go to teams that aren't going to compete for a national championship because they get that kind of money thrown in their face. And what 19, 20-year-old kid's going to turn down $10 million? Right. You're not gonna, it's right. just not going to happen. Uh, and, uh, but like I said, it's just a thought. I don't think... Uh, I don't really genuinely think uh what's his name? Um uh Jimbo you know would have made it as far this season as it goes because I wasn't seeing as many, you know, they they say he they're the top recruiting team in the nation or whatever. But I didn't see anything different. Um just by you know, just looking at them at first glance, I didn't see anything different than what they had uh, uh, last year. The quarterback position is still in shambles. Uh, your running back seems about, and and maybe a receiver uh, seems to be about the only thing promising that you have going. Yeah, I, I didn't see anything different, and so I mean, but 
their anyways, their win against LSU was a good win for them. Like I said, probably solidified his job there at A&M for uh, maybe another year or two, however long that contract is. But well, you got if you're you have to be consistent. You gotta you gotta figure something out. Yeah, you, you, you can't do it again. And I genuinely say, <clears throat> if they can't figure out a quarterback, they're in trouble. Yeah, and that's the big part. They got to get settled at quarterback, figure out what their identity is going to be, and go from there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of head coaches, uh, moving around that rule did get their job at Nebraska. Ah, saw that one coming. Yeah, he was mentioned for it over and over again. He's going to get it. We'll see. Well, go ahead then, Nebraska. Gonna have that man up there freezing. I, I, I good for him, good for him. Whatever they seen, if that's what. Well, I mean, you you look at it. He turned Temple around, turned Baylor around. You assume they can do it at Nebraska because now you you've got a better recruiting base. All that you are still Nebraska, uh, even though it's been a while since they've really competed for anything. You still have that big name, that big brand name. That hey, we're Nebraska. Uh, and so I think he's got a chance. We'll see. It, it'll be another case of a guy didn't work out in the NFL coming back to what he knows best. Yeah. Maybe he pulls a Chip Kelly, you know, like Chip Kelly did uh, UCLA, kind of rehabs his image, rehabs his name, and people look and go, "That's a good football coach again." Do I think? He, <clears throat> do I think he'll ever get another run in the NFL? No, no I don't. No. I, I think, you know, you tried. All these different things. You had Jared Goff. That didn't work. You had Sam Darnold. That didn't work. You thought Baker Mayfield would 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 buy you a year. That didn't work. I don't see it working out long term. Uh, but I do see a scenario where he go he comes back. He rehabs his image. Maybe he gets another uh, shot at a bigger school, even than Nebraska. Maybe he gets a shot at a. SEC school or a Big 12, you know, maybe back in the Big 12, somewhere <laughs> along the line. Yeah. Uh, but but good step, I think, for him career-wise to go to Nebraska. Now, here's a name that was thrown around early. I mean, like the next day for that job that went completely silent, and that's Urban Meyer. I take back what I said. I don't think Urban Meyer coaches again. Why not? Because I thought if there was a job he was going to get, it was that one. Because you could go there, turn them around, rehab your image, do whatever you got to do. You're not a national spotlight team. I mean, it's still a brand name, but you're not getting national yeah. coverage all the time. <clears throat> maybe you turn around, maybe you do turn into a, a contender. Maybe, maybe not. But you can still prove, hey, I can still win ball games. But he didn't get that job. Didn't even get an interview for that job. Wasn't even asked. About that job. That would have to be something I would have to look more into. Because what's so wrong with Urban Meyer all of a sudden that nobody wants it? I think it's the publicity. And here, so this was an interesting thing. There was a, one of the Jaguars players was interviewed after the game yesterday. And he said, you know, I feel like Trevor Lawrence is finally getting his due. He didn't even get a rookie year because who would want to play for Urban Meyer? He had to put up with that mess. And now he's getting to play for Coach Peterson. I would run through a wall for Coach Peterson. That's what he said yesterday. I think stuff like that, whether it's true, not true, whether it's warranted or unwarranted, is what's keeping people away from Urban Meyer. Where and now it's finally too big 
to just sweep under the rug. You know, there's been things in the past about him, whatever, but he still won football games. Now he had all the big things happen, and he didn't win games, and I think now, because of that, there's such a mm. a pressure cooker on him from the press yeah. side of things that we live in an era now where more and more teams refuse to just sweep that to the side and go hire the guy anyways. You're, you're seeing less and less... Uh, well, of that happening. Well, and it's because <clears throat> teams are starting to be more for the for the public uh, and, and for the players. Not to say they weren't for the players in the past, but <clears throat> it's more so now, okay, now what's better for uh, the players, how the, tr- the players being treated as opposed to, you know, how they're being coached. Yeah. Um, and it's more about also, like I said, the public eye. How is how is it going to look to the public if we continue to have someone on on our staff that it mistreating the players? But is did it he? Good? Really, I mean, but that's the, but that's the question. What really happened? That's the that's why I said I had to look more into it because there is no. I, I'm having a hard time believing that nobody wants Urban Myers, but and, and you can't just say it's because of. Public relations. You can't just say that. If that's the case, you might want to look into everybody else's, every other coach's public relation. Uh, and I'm sure that everybody has their moments. You know, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. Everybody has their moments. But you can't deny somebody uh, a continue a continuance of their career because of one thing that was seen in the public eye. And if you knew this about the guy prior to the hire, then that's not on them. That's on you because you decided to hire them knowing the history that they have. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying why. That's why I'm asking the question. What's so wrong with Urban Myers now that nobody wants to look in his direction for a head coaching job? Well, I think part of it is that, in my opinion, we overvalue Trevor Lawrence. Well, yeah, I'm starting to see that now. I think more too many people thought, Boy, anybody can coach him and they're going to win. And that's why he said, I took the Jacksonville job because I was going to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And then I think he took one look at it. Now, granted, he Urban Meyer is a defensive-minded football coach. He's not going to develop a quarterback. Right. Not his M.O. But he thought, hey, let mm. me bring in some offensive guys, let them develop him. He's good to go. But I think Urban looked at him and realized he's not who I thought he was. He's not what the rest of the world thinks that he is. Uh, now, they won yesterday, but it, by and large, Trevor Lawrence has not shown me anything to say he's going to be a staple in the NFL for years to come. I haven't seen that from him. But I think what happened is everybody, you know, drank the Kool-Aid with Trevor Lawrence and thought, oh, that's a, you know, he's a once-in-a-generation talent. He's just going to light everybody up. And then when it didn't happen, they looked at Urban and said, well, you couldn't win with him. So now all of a sudden, you're not a good coach. We're talking about a guy who won a national championship with Tim Tebow, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Who everybody knows turned out to be a complete bust in the NFL. The guy can coach. The guy has national championships to his name. But I think it just comes back to we're living in an age of straight PR. And that's what people are so focused on. Case in point, Auburn's still an open job. Doesn't look like Lane Kiffin's going there. He keeps saying he's not... There's more and more indications coming out that he's going to stay at Ole Miss. Dion may or may not go. Hugh Freeze has been mentioned for that job. 
<clears throat> Here's a name that I threw out a while ago. But I, I think he's in the same boat as Urban Meyer. John Gruden. And here's why. Mm. John Gruden almost had the Arkansas job before Sam Pittman. I, I'm sorry, uh, before... Uh, uh, not Sam Pittman. Uh, 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 from from SMU. Mm. Craig, uh, Chad Morris. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was thinking... John that. Gruden was mentioned... Up, I mean, his name was definitely in talks for that job. He, 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 the boosters were lining up the money to get him. He had interest. They had interest. He wanted, if he was going to coach college football, he wanted it to be in the SEC. Understandable. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, outside looking in, and this is the opinion of not just myself but others, Auburn's clearly a better job than Arkansas. Auburn, in my opinion, is better than the job that Lane Kiffin has at Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Here's why: because you have more more money at your disposal, a bigger brand name. Yeah, yeah. Why would you not call John Gruden? He's in the coaching abyss. He will never coach in the NFL again, ever. He's already stated, "I would go to the SEC." If I was going to coach college football, I would want to coach in the SEC. But I think you're, if you're Auburn, why not call Urban Meyer? I think it's come down to this point where we're so caught up. Now, Hugh Freeze has done some things in his past that I don't see how you justify hiring him over an Urban Meyer or a John Gruden or somebody like that unless they just tell you no. At this point, I will say, as much as I dislike Dion, as big of a headache as I think Dion would be for college football if he ever gets a Power 5 job, if you're not going to get Lane Kiffin, I think you have to go get Deion Sanders. Because he's going to recruit at the same clip and rate as a Lane Kiffin that a Hugh Freeze is not. I don't see how... I, to me, Hugh Freeze is a downgrade from where you were trying to go with it. Dion, for all the mess that, that he is, for all the me, me, me stuff that he does, can recruit. Yeah, I give him that. I give him that. Yeah. Now, do I think he can match up X's and O's? Maybe, maybe not. But he, in my opinion, is a better pick than a Hugh Freeze. If you're not getting Lane Kiffin, I think you have to get Dion because obviously the other two names I mentioned <clears throat> aren't even in the discussion. And if you're not going in a big direction like that, I think you have to go get Dion Sanders for uh, um, Auburn's sake. As as it been like a national, what you call a national brand, a big name school in the SEC, Dion would be a better pick. But also, John Gruden and and Urban Myers are also great picks as well. I I see a, a John Gruden over Urban Meyer at Auburn, but it's just like it, you you know you you said it, it's more of being afraid of what it will look like in the public eye. And what kind of backlash it could bring? I, I, I honestly. And granted, the I John even, Gruden thing, his emails got leaked by a guy who hired a private investigator to investigate everybody in the NFL. Right. So I, I'm tired of hearing about how bad it was. And and Move the on. thing is, I, I honestly don't even think it will be an issue. Not Auburn would love it. Yeah, they would I, go I don't nuts. I don't think, and I think it's a lot of the times it's overthought of. It's you know. 
and you overthink, or oh, well, what is somebody going to say, or what do people think if we hire? And you're more concerned about what media well, would think. Exactly. Used to colleges were only concerned with their boosters. How is the fan base and the boosters going to take this hire? Yeah. Now they care about what's ESPN going to say Monday morning. Right. It it's doesn't. Ma- yeah, and it doesn't matter. But if your program is on the verge and in danger of being becoming a nobody, you have to make a big move. And in the big move, that means a Deion Sanders or a, an Urban Meyer or a John Gruden. I don't think your fan base or your board will have an issue with it. <laughs> to be honest, and so and there's nothing. The guys on ESPN, they're doing their job, just like everybody else. They're going to talk. That's what they get. Just paid like we do. Yes. That's what they do. And so, that should not be a deciding factor on who you hire. And and Urban Myers didn't do anything any worse than what anybody else has done. John Gruden didn't either. Uh, and Deion Sanders is Deion Sanders. You know who he is. Yeah. You, so, know, what you're, you know what you're getting yourself If they in? hire him, they know. Yes. They know what the badge that's going to come. Right. So, the publicity that's going to come, all of that. And, and that's all. The, the only thing you need to worry about is how they're going to respond and how your program, your players are going to respond to them as head coaches. That's it. I, I And the board. But I, I say, man, seriously, give I, give them a try, you know. I, I, don't, I don't know if Dion, I mean, that... It, for Dion's sake, it will probably look bad on him. And, uh, for, if he ever leaves Jackson State, it's going to look bad. Yeah, it's going to look but bad. If he leaves this year or 10 years, if he ever leaves, it'll look bad because when he took that job, he said this isn't about anything other than trying to establish HBCU schools. Yeah. If he ever leaves, he is proving that that's not what it was really about. That it was more about a stepping stone, hey, I didn't get the FSU job, so I took this to prove that I can coach football. Mm-hmm. And my goal all along was to, to coach at a Power yeah. 5 school. And well, it's just and go back to what you said also about the recruiting. He knows how to recruit. Uh, he's recruited some top players in the country. And so that's nothing that he's lacking in. And so if he – Auburn would not be, you know, would not be missing out on the recruiting side, you know, if they were to get Deion Sanders. <laughs> I think he'll be, uh, you know, an okay fit for the the Auburn job. I'm not completely sold because I don't know how well he would do in the SEC against Alabama and uh, Georgia and LSU and, all, and yeah. Texas A&M, these kind of, these kind of schools. Um, but this is a moment where you have to uh, take a step out the boat and 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 a step of faith and say, you know, we got to make a we got to make a move. If we want to stay a top team, then we have to make a big move. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. where, where they head. So moving on, kind of wrapping the show up with the NFL, National Football League. The Dallas Cowboys dominate New York on Thanksgiving Day yeah. in what was dubbed the OBJ Bowl. Yep. Um. Uh, that. What. That. 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 That game was closer, too close for comfort, but not because I say that not because Dallas didn't dominate because they obviously did. Yeah. First half, watch the game. Yeah, saw Dallas was the, the first half was questionable, but second half they came out and did what Dallas usually do: defense stepped up, mm-hmm. 
Offense got to clicking. Got that running game going. Yeah, and, and, and you know, they dominated. Now, the final score was 28-20, but it was only 28-20 because of penalties. That penalty, yeah. that last penalty on Michael Parsons, they got uh, New York out down was, in the It was cheap zone. points there at the end of the game. Yeah. They were meaningless. And, I mean, it's just about looks better on paper. Yeah, but um, by far, Dallas is that number two team in the NFC East. Uh, I still have an argument that they're going to beat Philadelphia and win the the division. The way it's looking right now, you have that back. Your running game's running better. Well, yeah, I don't, I, I don't do it because of Dak. I well, I do say it because that because now they're relying heavily on the on run, run game. game. Yeah. Well, I say that because the, I mean the passing. Yeah, is still kind of there. Yeah, and um, you're, you're looking at Tyron Smith coming back in a couple of weeks. You know, you're getting you started, and on top of that, you still have Jason <clears throat> Peters. Yeah. And, and uh, the rookie Tyler Smith, you have that left side now is about to be dominating. Your right side's already clicking, and so. You, what more could Dallas do? They they they've added on Tack McKinley to the uh, defensive uh, the defensive side of the ball. Interested to see what what he can uh, offer to that defense. Even even if they don't, that defense is still dominant. And this is one thing. And to kind of get off the Cowboys here for a second to get on to <coughs> with the get on the Giants. What was that defensive coordinate coordinator thinking? Blitzing the entire he, yeah, he second got, half. He, he got way too aggressive. Way too aggressive. And, and anybody in the NFL knows you cannot blitz Dak Prescott. Yeah. Because with a C.D. Lamb, a Michael Gallup, and Dalton Schultz, all these tight ends, he's going to pick you apart. Well, because you're putting too many guys in one-on-one coverage. Right. Uh, I, I didn't understand it. I mean, he tried to pull a Todd Bowles in the Super Bowl and just blitz the heck out. It, it wasn't going to work. No, and it embarrassed your defense because you got exposed. C.D. Lamb burnt just about every corner on the field. Whatever side you put him on, he embarrassed your corner and your safeties. Sure did, yeah. A tight end, one of your your safeties or or corner boy, whoever he was, got hurtled by a tight end. Then on down the field another 10 yards, one got ran over by him. You can't play man-to-man. You just can't do that. And so that's something that the Giants need to, the defensive coordinator kind of need to, you know, rethink. If you're going to do that for the rest of the season, you better get ready to get beat. You can't yeah. blitz all second half, man. And I was looking for them to change it up. Change it up. Every every possession Dallas got, like, okay, surely he's going to change it up. He's going to go more zone. <laughs> no, he went man every single time. Well, I mean, it's one of those, hey, I've got my philosophy. This is what we're going to do, yeah. and I'm going to stick now, to it. I give it to you, and I kind of, I kind of equate it to you know Dallas's offensive line just being as good as they are. Yeah, that that but, was a great help. But, but yeah. Thibodeau mm-hmm. was in the backfield every single play. Now I yeah. give him that much because he was re- uh, wreaking havoc on that offensive line, but that offensive line stuck together. It did, it bent, yeah, but, but it didn't break. Exactly the bend but don't break mentality. Yeah, um, but if you can do that against the blitz, you'll survive. Yeah, yeah. But he was back there. I mean. That guy's a heck of a player. I give it to him, but he just couldn't get a sack. And and if you're if you're New York, you know you've won some ball games. You, you're head in the right direction. I don't know if you're sold on Daniel Jones. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know what your kind of philosophy is going to be moving forward. My my question is, 
But you're out of contention at this point. Yeah, but... For a playoff spot. My question, they still haven't found their offensive identity because they did not use Daniel Jones like they had been using him. They did not use Saquon Barkley. Barkley. Yeah. They did not... And I thought that was their idea. And I hey, did we're going to run the football. We're going to throw it when we have to, but we're going to rely on those two guys yeah. in the backfield. And that didn't No, they, they threw 70 to 80% of the time. Yeah. And they only... From what I can remember... <clears throat> Saquon Barkley only had maybe one or two runs, and one of them was a big run. And but you did not use him like you should have been using him, and so that's going to be a, a a deciding factor, I think, with him coming up on free on his. You know, he's going to be a free agent free agent after this season. Um, he had eleven carries for thirty nine yards, so and one touchdown. So that's the thing. You 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 you're looking okay, at Okay, and before it being, that he had So he here's here's to your point about the offensive identity. So let's go back to the very beginning of the season. Okay. Opens up with eighteen carries for hundred and sixty four yards, then twenty one carries for seventy two yards. The first time against Dallas he had fourteen carries for eighty one yards. Against Chicago, he had 31 carries for 146 yards. They played Green Bay, he had 13 carries for 70. Against Baltimore, he had 22 for 83. Against Jacksonville, he had 24 for 110. Against Seattle, he had 20 for 53. Against the Texans, he had 35 for 152. I mean, but a blind grandmother could run for that much against the Texans. They played Detroit. He had 15 carries for 22 yards, and now all of a sudden he's down to 11 carries for 39 yards. That That is not indicative of a team that's figured out, do we want to feed him or not? Yeah, it's kind of back and <laughs> forth. And, and I get why you don't run against the D- Detroit has a very good run defense, but, well, somewhat. Um, that, hey, in that game, because I watched it, they stepped up. Yeah. Uh, Dallas, who had been struggling in the run, defensive on that defensive side, they stepped it up uh, against Minnesota, and they stepped it up this game. So, I, in a sense, I get it. But at the same time, if that's what you're going to stick to, stick to it. He's obviously proven that he's capable of getting getting you yards. It's just a matter of, of whether or not you're going to put your trust in him. And then Daniel Jones, you had plays uh, designed, you know, that were designed for him to run. Daniel Jones is a good runner, yeah. you know. And, and so you don't have the receiving core to consistently pass. You know, we said this about <laughs> Dallas in the beginning of the uh, of the season. But in all honesty, New York doesn't have the receiving. You have an old receiving receiving yeah. class. You have an old, they're old. Galladay isn't doing anything. He hasn't done anything since his first season there. Uh, Shepard, he's old. You know, he's a veteran. You have an old receiving court. You got rid of uh, Tony. <laughs> so that yeah. was your rookie. That was the youngest guy you had on there. And what about the receiver they had? Uh, what was it? Evan. Evans. I, I can't think of his name. Chris Evans? No, no, no. no. It was the receiver they had, uh, tight end. It was a tight end, not a receiver. I can't even think of his names, his name. But you had him. I don't know what happened with him. But you don't have 
the receivers or tight ends to be able to pass 70, 80% of the game, your best bet is sticking with a run. Sticking with a run. Um, but I'm glad that Dallas have, you know, figured it out. There's, there's still some patches where Keller Moore, you know, it, especially in the first half, he came out wanting to uh, throw, 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 and Dak threw two interceptions. Now, I'm not saying that's completely on, on <clears throat> Dak. Some of those throws were... Even the week before, we're on the receivers more than anything. As but, but your identity is running the football. exactly, and, and but and I Zeke had ninety two. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know how much Tony Pollard had. I know Tony Pollard had some more receiving yards. Or um, he had some good run, big runs too. But it was that it, it was still that one two punch. Uh, Zeke had still had some big carries. He had, uh, eighteen carries for sixty yards. Okay, there you go. So it was still that one two. You still had, see ninety two. Still had about one hundred and fifty yards rushing. And so, uh, and that's just split between him and uh, Tony Pollard and Zeke. So you still had that one two punch combo going. Um. What made it even better was the fact that Dak was able to make some really good passes um, in the game, and I, I like, and this is what, I, and this is what I liked uh, seeing. Thought I would never see it with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they ran an option play with Dak yes. and Zeke. Uh, I saw that. Now I've been seeing other teams do it uh, uh, these last couple of weeks, but I didn't think the Cowboys would do it. But I was, it, it shocked me, but it looked really good when um, uh, they ran that option because it was smooth. And uh, for Dallas being a Ron dominant uh, team, I, I'm sorry. it works for them. Pollard had 13 carries for 105 yards. I misread that. Uh, Zeke had 15 carries for 73, so they had they went up with 176 yards mm-hmm. rushing. And so you, you have, I mean, you with that run game, you have what you need to be able to get it done. Uh, there's no question about that. Now, not uh, off of the play side of it, Tony Pollard's coming up on a uh, uh, free agency year. He's going to be a free agent after this um, after this season. I've seen where they are they are in talks about extending his contract. Do you think that would be a smart uh, a smart decision? I do. To extend Pollard? Yeah. Yeah, but I think you don't want to give him the contract that you gave Zeke. Exactly. I don't, I, I don't think you go that high. I think that Jerry's learned his lesson that you just don't give a, a running back a second contract like that. But I think if your identity is going to be running the football, and, and we're talking like this, like we just assume Mike McCarthy's going to be the head coach. Next yeah. Year. I still don't think that that was in Jerry's plans. I think now it is because if he... You know, makes makes it to the Super Bowl. I think you have to. Uh, I still make a case that there's a an outside shot that if they lose the first round playoff game, I think Mike McCarthy still is on the hot seat. Possibly, I don't think he's done enough to to keep that job over Sean Payton. In that, if Sean Payton's still interested, yeah, in that instance. But if McCarthy stays. And your identity is going to be, we're going to run the football. I think, yeah, you have to extend Pollard. 
Okay, you extend Pollard, but you also have Dalton Schultz sitting on that franchise tag. I think Dalton Schultz is going to... Now, I hate to say it because he's a good tight end. You know, he's reliable. But you hate to... Now, either you get rid of him or McCune. McCune, how do you say his name? It's either the, one of those two, but you have two rookie tight ends, two young tight ends, who are making a pretty big splash in I their game. I Schultz, though. Over McCune? Yeah. I, I, I say the same. Just for that build... Uh, his ability to make things happen, but that but that means that you have to sign him to a contract now. Yeah, you have to give him a contract, but it all depends on how much he's asking because I think that's what they ran into uh, this off season with not giving him a contract is how much it, he was yeah, asking. Yeah, it was the negotiation process. I think that that when that time comes, we're just gonna have to see what the market's like. Yeah, see who's wanting what kind of money. Yeah, but that also brings up. The Odell Beckham thing, too. Okay, so I'm glad you got to that. So this was deemed the Odell Beckham Bowl. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's not going to New York. Like there's, there, there should have been nothing in that game where he looked and he said, I'm going to New York. I'm not sold that it's really between the two teams. I know that that's how he's framing it. But, but think about this. What a great PR move. If you're Odell Beckham Jr., you haven't played a down of football, but you had dominated the headlines, dominated them. Odell Beckham made a LeBron were, James move, man. Exactly, you were on like the reserve list for the defending Super Bowl champs because they always said, you know, if you want to play, you've got a spot here. Well, they 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 crashed and burned a long time ago. Probably not even gonna bother letting Stafford throw another down this year. Don't blame him. He's clearly not going there. But you can't tell me that he hasn't looked at Buffalo or even a Kansas City. Maybe even a Miami. I'm not convinced that he hasn't at least got interest from those teams. Yeah, oh no, he has. Matter of fact, the Bills are on his list of visits. Supposedly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that he's going to talk to. But I'm saying... I think there are teams that we don't know about that are that are in on this. Oh yeah, I don't think that it truly is about Cowboys and Giants. I think he attaches himself to the Cowboys because the Cowboys have a needed receiver. Do I think he can help? Yes. Do I think it's still a possibility? Yes. But do I really think that it was well? The winner of get this gets me. No, oh no, no. no. I, I think that that's below. That's how he it, sold it. That's how he sold it, and I think it was a brilliant PR yep. move by him. But where he messed up was this past week in Miami, trying to fly. For whatever reason, he's in and out of consciousness. He gets into it with a the crew. They kick him off the flight. Not a good PR move. Do I think that that hurts him a little bit? Yes, I do. Because now, instead of just dominating the headlines of, now I get to choose, now he's going to have to explain his behavior. That's right. different. And, uh, you <clears throat> know, Jerry Jones is no, notorious for not wanting that kind of distraction. Yeah. Because that's not the Cowboys. Yeah, well, and he made that... uh, And also, as a side note, talking about Jerry, what a brilliant move by Jerry that this report comes out about him in a a protest situation Mm -hmm. back in the, what was it, the 60s? Yes. Photo comes out, doesn't look good on him, but he's pushing the (coughs) Odell so much, we sweep his deal under the rug. (coughs) 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything else about no, it. No, I mean, like, it got one one day of airtime on yeah. ESPN, and now it's a dropped issue. What yeah. a brilliant move. See, all of this is about PR. It's not about who's going where, what's best for the team. It's about PR. That's yeah. it. Well, and to, to you know, continue what I said, was saying, and, and Jerry Jones made that uh, decision a while ago <coughs> when he... Uh, Got Greg Hardy from the uh, Carolina Panthers. Yeah, the guy was a recluse. I mean, he. I mean, he's just. He was a menace. <laughs> you know, he was in and out of trouble. Yeah, had, yeah, and had charges pressed against him for assault against his girlfriend or wife, and 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 gun charges and all. Yeah. So Jerry Jones learned his lesson there. I'm not going to get somebody, anybody else that could cause trouble, and put our team, my team, in a bad light. Yeah, he doesn't, he can't afford to tarnish the Cowboy brand. No, and so, I don't think, honestly, I don't think it changes it, the incident with Odell Beckham over the weekend, I don't think it changes it drastically. I do, however, think it kind of, like you said, he's got to go in and explain it, you know, to these, these owners and coaches like, hey, this is what happened. This is why it happened. It's not nothing to worry about. Yeah, it's not going to be a recurring issue. Right, right. And I don't see it being one either. But, you know, you know you're, you're right. He sold it well. He sold it very well with Dallas and, and New York on Thanksgiving Day. Big game, you know. Yeah. Uh, he sold and he was at the game, you know. And Jerry Jones is sweet. Exactly. And so he sold this very well. Uh, but there has been, you know, he is going to talk with other teams. Bills are one of them. Uh, so Cowboys will be on uh, as we uh, got inside. Yeah. Uh, he'll have a meeting this week. On the 5th. It will be on the 5th. So yes. next Monday. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, next yeah, week. Uh, so December ne- 5th. Yes. On oh, next Monday, he'll meet with the Cowboys. And then um, the Bills are, are part of that meeting amongst other teams as well. And so the Dallas Cowboys in New York aren't the only two teams that he narrowed. But he down to. sold it that way, right? I Brilliant do, move. and I and even though I do still think the Dallas, the Dallas, excuse me, Dallas Cowboys are a definite top choice. Yeah, I, I think they're in the I, top three. Yeah, I, I think the Bills, uh, the Bills will be a competition. I don't know about the the Chiefs. I don't even know. Hey, but but if you're Kansas City, why not call? Was it hurt? I mean, because it's not like you've got a ton of weapons out there. No, you don't. But uh, it, they could possibly be one. And if nothing else, I think it would be a move to keep him from going to Buffalo. Right. Because you know that but that's going to be your big unless unless you look at Miami. You know, if if he's looking at it this way, where he can be used the most, uh, or how you know which team's going to most likely get him a Super Bowl, Dallas is a good choice. But I don't say it because of getting the Super Bowl. I say it because he will be used the most in Dallas. When you look at Buffalo, Buffalo doesn't necessarily have a need for him. Buffalo has all those receivers. They have Diggs. They have that 13. They they have all these receivers. They don't necessarily need Odell. But they would utilize him. Here's, the, here's my only caution. And I said this a, a couple of weeks ago on the show. My only caution is if he goes to Dallas. Ah, I know where you're going. 
You've got to run the football. You don't want Kellen Moore you, to get you, pass happy. You don't want to run into a situation like you had in Cleveland where, hey, I'm not getting my touches. They were forcing the issue with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. It, it was a mess. Yeah. You don't want that. I don't know if – maybe he's matured in his career. Maybe he's at the point where, hey, I just want to go where I've got the best chance to, to win a Super Bowl, be used, utilized, but I, I don't have to have all my touches. Yeah. Maybe he's reached that point. If he has, great. If not, go somewhere else. Like, just go where you can be used, and if that's what you want, yeah. go there. Yeah. And I think that where he chooses to go ultimately comes down to the answer to that question of, is this about winning a Super Bowl, or is he still the guy that wants all the touches? That's what it comes down to in my mind, and I think that that will be revealed by where does he go. Uh, but brilliant PR moved by him. One guy who has not had a good PR year is Russell Wilson. <laughs> He's gone from a media darling to a punching bag. Gets worse. This past weekend, one of his defensive players comes off yelling at him. Now, I've read reports where the guys come back and said, hey, it wasn't about that. We just given up points. I was just upset. There's more to that. He's He was not... <clears throat> Universally respected in Seattle, like everybody thought. You, we've talked about that ad nauseum, and now you're starting to see the cracks in Denver, where they're tired of the "let's ride" stick that he has put on. They're tired of the constant, you know. Well, you got to play through Edward. No, just just admit you haven't played well. That's not a good football team. Nathaniel Hackett's probably not going to be the head coach next year. The experiment didn't work. Move on. Now, the problem is, you gave him that contract. You're stuck with him at quarterback. Unless somebody else wants to take on that contract, which I don't see happening, you're stuck with him at quarterback. Granted, I don't know who you would get anyways, but you're stuck with Russell Wilson. You've got to find somebody that can make that work. However that's going to be, you've got to figure it out. That ain't working. I, I, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> you know, the whole deal was, well, let Russ cook. They've tried that. He can't cook. Uh, I I think he's at a point in his career where he can dink his and dunk his way down a field, have a good defense, have a good running game. I, I think you've got a shot, but he's got to, you know, swallow his pride and say, you know what, I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to help us win football games. It's not about letting me cook anymore. I made a mistake. I can't be a Tom Brady or a Patrick Mahomes where I build this team around me. I'm not that guy. And that's what he's slowly coming to realize. <clears throat> he waited too late in his career to say he wanted to be traded. Yeah. He, he waited too late to try and run the team. Yeah. And and, and one thing that probably and hurts. Pete Carroll look like a genius now? I mean, he's winning games with Geno Smith at quarterback. <laughs> Who would have thought that? If you would have told me that Russell Wilson's going to only have three wins to his name and Pete Carroll's going to have six, I'd have said, you're nuts. Nuts! But we live in a world where that's exactly the case. Yep. I, I, I kind of think what's happening with, with, with Russ is that he doesn't have the arm power that he has, he used to have. And we're starting to see what worked with him in Seattle... <clears throat> it worked because of the athletes that he had around him. Now, he wasn't just necessarily darting it out there all the time in Seattle either. 
he had Percy Harvey uh, for the longest over there in Seattle who could just beat guys downfield and he aired out to him. There you go. And then you had, uh, um, what's his name? Golden. Uh, some whatever. Tate. Tate. Um, Golden Tate. Yeah, Golden Tate. You had him. You had those guys. But you weren't just throwing it up down the field every single play. That's why I don't get what he means, let me cook. <clears throat> Man, if you're best at the dink and dunk passes. That's going to get you down the field. Well, I think what we're coming to realize, not just with him, but with a lot of these quarterbacks, <clears throat> is they're as good as the coaches and the weapons around them. Exactly. Here's why. If Tom Brady was in New England right now, they would be first in their division, hands down. Mm-hmm. Not because he's Tom Brady, but because he's playing for Bill Belichick. And Belichick would be able to to figure things out. Not that Belichick's doing a terrible job as it is, but but Tom needs Belichick. I'm sorry, you can say what you want, that's just the truth. Yes. Russell Wilson needed Pete Carroll. He did. He needed that kind of football to be successful. Yep. And you know... Aaron Rodgers realizes he needed needed Mike Mike McCarthy. McCarthy. That's what I'm about to say. I think they're starting to realize Patrick Mahomes... Here's here's where Patrick Mahomes is smarter than all the rest of them. Is he realizes he is who he is because Andy Reid puts him in a position to be that guy. Yeah. He He knows. He played at Texas Tech for Cliff Kingsbury. He knows... That, hey, listen, you know, I, he helped me, but I, I didn't win games with him. You know, he knows at White House that he didn't win games when he was in high school. <clears throat> and now all of a sudden he's considered one of the best that's ever played. What's the difference? Did Patrick Mahomes suddenly become... No. He got with a coach who put him in a position to win. That, to me, is where he's smarter than all the rest of them, is he's never once said, I want to run this team my way, because he knows if that were to happen... He's cooked. It's over. Yeah. Move on. But it's it's you know I've been saying Drew that. Brees. Do you need Sean Payton? Yeah. I mean it, it's just I, I could go on and on with these these quarterbacks who realized I'm a great talent, but I am who I am because of the coaches that I've had. Yeah. And it's like I said, Tom Brady and 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 Belichick put their differences aside. Tom Brady would still be New England Patriot and retiring a New England Patriot. Yeah. I think it should have happened that way, but you know you're you're right, and and um, Hackett is a big part, plays a big part in what's going on right now. Probably bigger than Russell Wilson right now, and what's going yeah, on he's over in over Denver. His head. Yeah, he's in over his head. It, it didn't it didn't work out. You couldn't get uh, Aaron, Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers like you wanted, and so you went with <coughs> Russ, thinking it'd be about to. <coughs> No, it's not. No, it, it's it's a lot worse. And honestly, you probably would. I don't know how you how many games you would have won if he had if he had gotten uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. I, I think he wins the division. That's a bad division. Hmm. I don't know. I don't I, think you win deep in the playoffs, but yeah, I think you get. Yeah. There. I think you make the playoffs. And the thing is, <clears throat> this totally exposes Russ. Because it's not like Denver is lacking in talent. No, it, it exposes him in every facet. Yeah. It exposes that he's not a leader, he's not respected, he's he's not as talented as some thought he was. Yeah. It, it exposes him in every facet of his life. 
and he's going to pay the price. Long term, he's going to pay yeah, the price. And, and I, I hate it for him, man, but he should have just stayed in Seattle. One last quarterback thing. I have my thoughts. In my opinion, Cleveland should not turn to Deshaun Watson. He's not the uh, Jacoby Brissett just won a football game for you, emotional win, all that. But not just because of that. You're not making the playoffs. Too late. Took too long. Deshaun Watson hasn't played football in almost two years. What are you doing? Like, where is this headed? I, 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 I still cannot fathom what they did. I, I, I don't understand it. It makes no sense. I, I think that that it's the same thing that we fall into this the, these traps with these players, where we think they are who who we think they are, and then you get them and they're not. Yeah, and well, <laughs> they put so much weight on Deshaun Watson. Uh, all their weight actually, because they're yeah, getting ready. To, that's they, the franchise right here. They're, they're getting ready to start him without question, uh, and I don't think that's right for one. Like you said, they're not going to the playoffs. It's not like he's going to come in and be the long, long, you know, weighted savior of their football team. Well, not only that, he hadn't played in two years. What if he goes out there and tears his knee up? Yeah, or then hamstring what? or something. And that's a guaranteed contract. Then what? Now you're going to pay him all that money, and he's never going to play down football for you. Well, that's something they're going to have to deal with because I mean, but <laughs> I think the move that they made is something that they only they're only going to understand. And whoever else was involved, we won't ever understand it. We won't ever get it. But from what we're seeing from the outside looking in is that there is no chance for one that he's going to come in, turn the season around. I don't see it happening. Um, he may or may not even be the quarterback for them. Um, and we don't even know if he's going to continue to play. If this last allegation uh, turns out go yeah, away. Yeah. yeah. If it don't go away, then and it comes to the light more and more. I, I just I don't, I don't understand it. But we're we are at a place in football where the idea of who that player could be enamors us. Mm. It's just like Trey Lance over in San Francisco. They're going to make the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback, right? But next year they're going to start Trey Lance. Makes no sense at all. But they're going to do it because they think, you know, he's this once-in-a-generation talent. Yeah. I don't think he is. I understand why they think he is. Uh, the Jets are going through this with Zach Wilson. They thought he was going to turn their franchise around. They had to bench him. He didn't even play Sunday. Yeah. Listen, <clears throat> there's this saying that that goes like this. Don't fall in love with potential. Exactly. Yeah. You never want to fall in love with potential because yep. potential is just potential. It's, it's stored up energy that's not going anywhere unless acted upon by another outside energy. Yeah. And a lot of these teams are falling in love with the potential of these quarterbacks that aren't going anywhere. They, yeah. And it's You're not exactly going anywhere. Right. And we, we, we've we seen it uh, in, in um, with who we just finished talking about, Russell Wilson. Uh, and then over in, with the Cardinals. Um Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, uh, uh, not Watson. Well, well, Deshaun Watson is one, possibly, possibly we'll one. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, if he isn't careful, will be one of them. <laughs> yeah. You you can't 
Which, how bad was that loss, by the way? I thought, like I said, I thought they would win that game running away. Obviously, they didn't. They got beat to the finish line by one point. But the thing is, you you have to really assess, for one, for the coaches, what kind of offense do I want to run here? And does this quarterback fit that offense? Be realistic yeah. about what you want. And over at San Fran, Jimmy Garoppolo is everything that they need. Absolutely, yeah. Without a question. He, he is the guy. But they shot themselves in the foot because they, they think that this young, Trey Lance is young. They think he's more talented. They think he's he has everything with the, that they need to win games. He hasn't proven anything. That's exactly what Green Bay thought when they drafted Jordan Love, at, you know, without consulting Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. You know, and, and so look <clears> at <throat> it now. I mean, these teams have just fell in love with the potential of these quarterbacks without really thinking about okay, what what am I trying to do here? You know, you know, what do we want? What's the image of our team? And so. That's what we're stuck with for the next five years of football. And until teams be realistic about what they want in their offense. You're going to see more and more bad yes. football. Yeah. Which, bad how football. bad is that for the NFL? Like, the Colts and somebody are playing tonight. Let's see. Uh, it's bad. It's Monday night, and I don't even know who's playing. That's how Monday bad nights used to be the highlight, the of, highlight the week. of the week. After Sunday nights. You've got... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh... <clears throat> See, yeah, the Colts and the Steelers played on. Ew, gross, bad football. Why? I because this is where we're at in the NFL. Why are the Colts and those are two of the worst teams in the league? Okay, well, you know that's their uh, prerogative. I don't have anything else to say on that, man. That's that's ridiculous. That's bad. a bad game. A horrible game. I want to know who's setting football. these games up in the NFL, in the organization. Well, it's ESPN. They, they oh, I, choose, they make a deal with you know the NFL that you know certain teams get certain games. And... <clears throat> My guess is they didn't bet on these teams being as bad as they did. Well, nobody thought Indianapolis would be this bad. They oh, thought the Matt Ryan was going to make it you know, go yeah. over there. Everybody thought the Steelers would be as bad as they have. You know, everybody thought, hey, Kenny Pickett maybe. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. I think it worked out. You get him a freaking team and you didn't. Well, I know, but I mean, he wasn't single-handedly able to turn around like they thought. I'm not not saying he's bad. It's just. He's one of those that he'll get another year because that's just a bad football team. Yeah. Well, I still stick to the fact that is Kenny Pickett was not their choice until Damian Haskins Jr. passed away. Yeah. And because he was that... that yeah, Dwayne Haskins was going to be the starter. Yeah. Hands down. Dwayne, yeah, Dwayne. I don't say Damian Haskins. Uh, but, yeah. Best of luck for Kenny, man. I, Have fun <laughs> I, with that. I don't know where... Have fun a, with that. As a rookie, you should never be put in that predicament, man. No. That's where we're headed. Yeah, that's where it is. Why would they ever do that? The best rookie right now is, uh, and a good predicament is uh, Malik Willis over in Tennessee because they're winning games. Yeah, but he doesn't get to start every game. He's got in and out. Like he's a plug and play. Yeah, but he's getting experience. Uh, true. Under under uh, uh, Tannehill, who's still yeah. a good quarterback. Not a great quarterback. Well, he's, he's a good quarterback. quarterback. So, him and maybe Matt Corral. Once he comes well, back that, from yeah, once he, he comes back hurt. from injury, that was bad. Yeah. 
Well, had a lot to talk about, as usual. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Tomorrow night we start our uh, basketball, basketball coverage. Yes. High school basketball, so be looking at the good old sports uh, TikTok page. We're going to yep. be putting up basketball highlights. And, and Instagram as well. <clears throat> um, some of the highlights that we get will be moved over to Instagram as well, from TikTok over to Instagram. Um, you can find us at good old sports. Can we move those over to Facebook? Yes, we can. Okay, as well. so be looking. Later oh, yes, too. and Facebook as well. Our logo is the same. You type in good old sports with only good old sports out there. Uh, on Instagram, it's <laughs> underscore East Texas. Uh, not East Texas. It's uh, East Texas, uh, spelled out, no spaces. Um, so you can find us there, man, and, and we'll be moving clips over from our TikTok to there and from there to Facebook or however, whichever way it goes, you will be able to find us on those three platforms. Uh, and tomorrow night we'll be uh, in Tyler, Tyler, Texas, um, watching, uh, covering uh, Mount Pleasant, Mount Pleasant Chapel, Chapel Hill. Hill, their basketball team. They've got a private uh, school over there. Too. Yeah, and a uh, really good basketball team. Um, so we're starting uh, tomorrow night on our coverage of them. And so uh, just, yeah, be looking for clips. Um, and also some, uh, anal- some analyzing as well. Yes, we're going to be leaning into that. Uh, as we get technology and things moving. Yes. So, you guys may get to see our faces a little <coughs> bit more. Uh, uh, and also, man, you guys have been awesome. Like I said, we always appreciate the support. Uh, the love that we get when we're out in public. People, you know, starting to recognize us when we're out in public yeah. at the games. Uh, God, man, we love you guys. Uh, and thank you for supporting us through uh, this season. This the football season. Uh our first year doing this, man. There's been places that we've been in these last two weeks uh, that we were in the stands at one point watching yeah. the game. And this year we were down on the field covering the game. And so that's how God has blessed us uh, with this with this business. And uh, we're grateful and for that. next year be looking for expanded football coverage oh, yes. from different teams. Yes, uh, from different we're teams. We're in negotiations with some places to be on their press list for next year. Yeah. Uh, so... Look forward to all that. Look forward to expanding the reach of, of good old sports and yeah. RNA Media. But y'all stay tuned. Yeah. Have a great rest of your week. Be looking for all this content, and we'll see you next Monday.